So, this yeah. is the new year. And I don't feel any different. I was going to say, Brian, you sound so fucking happy about yeah. it. What's, yeah. what's, what's going because, on, dude? You know, Millennium approaches. That's true. Great work begins. Great work continues, um, even. Perestroika. Millennium approaches again? Didn't we just have a millennium? We had a willennium. Oh, well, no, we're true. in a willennium. We had the willennium. The, the fablemans. Whatever oh, else yeah. Tony Kushner is up to these days, right? Right. I mean, uh, it's mostly Spielberg I'm, stuff. I'm feeling great because I've been I've been out hiking. Not the last couple of days because it's been snowing and raining here. But I'm Ooh. in Gallup, oh, no. New Mexico, eee, back where we, all this started. Yeah, wow. we're in three yeah. different time zones right now. We're this in all first, three of the all time three zones, of them, which is not incredible. The ones you think? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> which uh, ones would you think? <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, send Greenwich in which time, time zones yeah. you would think, because it's actually uh, Pacific time, New South Wales, daylight savings time, mm-hmm. and the one time zone for all of China. Right. That's the time yeah. zones we're in. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are so excited to be coming to you as a try I'm time zone podcast. Wait, wait. That's- I'm coming. Oh, my God. <laughs> We've made a commitment, dear listeners, to be even funnier than ever. And as you can see, it's working. Yeah. I I like that this, at least this time it worked. Like last time I tried to do the, oh, we're all in, we're all in all of the new states. Mm. And you're like, yes. And I was like, no, there's a fourth one, guys. Come on. You have to call me on my bullshit for, for, I can't get off unless I get called out. Well, we've gotten much better at yes anding. Um, Yeah. That's, that's the big Yes. That's the big thing that we've learned. And so many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast that yes ands. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. Yes, and I'm the worst of all possible, Brian. I'm the worst of all possible, Josh's, and I'm quitting this show. You didn't say it. You didn't fuck say you. it. You didn't say it. Fuck you. Well, fuck me. Yes. And fuck AJ. I've passed the ball of energy on to you. Zip, zap, Oh, it's a dodgeball, and it's 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 warming my tum-tum. So we're here today to talk about Left Behind. Yeah, we are. One of one of the wildest viewing experiences uh, I've had on this podcast in quite a while. What a way to kick off the new <laughs> yeah, year. I'm really happy that we forced this upon you. And in case this is your yeah. first time listening to us, welcome. We are the worst of all possible worlds. Every week we do case studies in the pop culture of a dying empire. And boy, and- howdy, what a dying empire ass fucking movie this is. Are you saying you weren't thrilled by the CGI tanks that looked like they were animated by a four-year-old? I mean, I was personally extremely thrilled by this. Um, Left Behind (laughs) is a a series that if you know anything about like evangelical Christian media, which is a big thing we like to talk about on this show, you've probably at least heard of Left Behind. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Left Behind is a big deal. I mean, when when Christian fiction publishing really launched, right, when Frank Peretti said, oh, yes, men can read these books, too, with this present darkness. <laughs> it's not just yeah, for yeah. girls anymore. Like, yes. it really did lead to the popularity of of Left Behind. Like, in comparison, right, this present darkness to date has sold a little under three million copies worldwide. Oh, respectable number. The first Left Behind, they used to put the stickers on the cover for how many copies they'd sold. 
Uh, when my, yeah, when we, I think my parents have gotten rid of those books, but we used to have a shelf that was just all left behind books. Um, I believe at that time it said like 6 million or 5 million for the first book. And then of course, you know, diminishing returns after that. But overall, this series has sold more than 80 million copies according to NPR. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. 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 And for this episode, uh, we are mostly going to be actually focusing on the film adaptation yeah, that was released yes. in 2000. Uh, we're not going to let Josh make us read another book. <laughs> yeah. but, but just for the fun of it, I also read the book <laughs> yeah. uh, because that's he how read my it in brain three works. hours. This little sicko can it's get just, yeah. any book you put in front of him. He nom it's, nom noms it. The thing yeah. about Left Behind, you know, as a series is that it is written in a way where you can plow through it pretty fucking quickly. And when I was a kid, not I me. read <laughs> these books. I read because there's two oh, you series. Read the, there's the adult ones, not the I read kids ones. Both of the series, <laughs> uh, because there's an wow. adult series and a kids series. It was around the turn of the millennium, and mm-hmm. I really wanted to have a more I don't know quote unquote adult reading experience because yeah. it yeah. was like I'm ten, but I'm right. not like the other kids, and so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I yeah dove I'm right into different. these books and uh, didn't I've never but I've never actually seen the movie uh, until now until we really? watched it for this interesting oh, wow yeah. oh oh I did not realize that because yeah. AJ you actually have some familiarity with Left Behind because you saw the remake with Nicolas Cage sure did it was um, <laughs> my my roommate David Armstrong who was, was on the How I Met Your Mother episode and the Heavy Rain episode he and I watched terrible movies together all the time okay. and this was just one we saw it was Nick Cage on the cover and I knew uh-huh. Left Behind because growing up uh, my dear friend and uh, avid listener of this podcast, Nate Woods, introduced me to the books because those were like the only things his mom would let him read. Was and... he trying to save you at the time? <laughs> no, he wasn't. Actually, mm. th- there were some uh, revelations that apparently I was a very corrupting influence on him. Uh, unbeknownst to me, I was like an interloping <laughs> Catholic. Well, yeah, that's to, like, say, yeah. That's typical boy. Catholic behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I, and these books specifically are very anti-Catholic. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they <laughs> They're sure almost are. as anti-Catholic as they are anti-Semitic. And we yes. will get to that. Yes. We sure will. But I remember hanging out in his room and like the copies of the YA novel were just like mm. strewn about the floor because he would just kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. devour these books. And when I asked him, hey, should I read this? Because I was always very interested in Christian entertainment because it was just mm-hmm. so alien to me. Like it, sure. it just was not present in my house at all. And well, so I was AJ, like, hey, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you get so Thank much you. of this. Yeah, the Lord is going to get you sooner life. or later, my yeah, friend. He will. Um, and I said, and I and I said to him, like, should I read these books? And we were like ten years old, and he looked at me and he said, eh. And for a ten-year-old to say, eh, yeah. means that a book has to be pretty yeah. bad or like yeah. pretty like okay. To That's not... interesting because in my experience reading these books. Yeah. Uh, I was so hooked on it. And part yeah. of it was, I mean, yeah. it, they are very, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as, yeah. as we go on, but they are very like politically heady, like in a mm-hmm. weird way. Yeah. And as somebody who at that time was still kind of aspiring to be the politics guy on some level, <laughs> sure, uh, sure, sure. I was just very excited by all this conversation about like the United Nations and yeah. world governments and all that kind of bullshit. Um, yeah, and yeah. one currency. That's the thing I remember Nate telling me yeah. was that mm-hmm. like, oh, it was going to unite the world with one currency. And I was right. like, well, that sounds weird. And now I just Did realized he was describing crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Did he 
really think that this shit was going to happen. No, he did not. Okay. I think he had to pretend that he did, but I think mm. for the most part, no. I think, and that was part of my corrupting influence, mm-hmm. you know. I think well, it was because I was just like, hey, you don't have to believe all this stuff. And he was like, I don't have to believe all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think a lot of the success of Left Behind actually does come from people who read these books who don't believe it's going to happen. Like they were just there for a rip roaring good time. And Jerry B. Jenkins made a book that just flows really nicely and gets to the next plot twist. And you mm. just keep going, whether you believe it or not. Cause I mean, glorious appearing the, the finale, the ostensible finale. And then they just kept writing more books. Right. When that came out, <laughs> that got mainstream news coverage everywhere. I was huh. seeing stuff about the release of that book on like CNN and network news. Brian, did you read the books uh, growing didn't. up or anything? No, because okay. I mean, I remember seeing them on the shelf and they looked very adult and very big. Right. And, yeah. I, I really and they're like... not is the thing. They just have huge no, margins no. and massive fucking text. Um, mm. And then my sister read, I think she started reading the young, the young adult ones. Okay. And then read all of the, the grown up ones. Wow. There was a radio drama, which I assume is a focus on the family radio drama. Mm. I listened to a little bit of that, but mostly my first experience with Left Behind, actually being aware of what the property is, was seeing this movie. Because the distribution of this movie, we talked about this like with A Thief in the Night, how it would just sort of play at churches. Churches would rent the film and then people would pay to come see it. And for that matter, whose children are they? Whose children are they? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Left Behind did it a little bit differently. They sold it on tape first. And when we went to get the tape mm. at, at Bread of Life, the local Christian bookseller. It's oh, sure. tape. <laughs> it came it sure in a is, huge Josh. box. It came in a massive box that also came with two free tickets for when the movie was going to come play in the theater in your town as it came through. Oh, so like, right, there's right. like a voucher. They would like yeah. reimburse the theater once. That's interesting. And so my my I know my numbers, brother sure. went and saw right. it. I don't know if my sister went and saw it. It might have been a youth group outing. Uh, but I wasn't old enough to be in youth group yet. Mm. I think that's what it was. My brother went and saw it over at, at at the the independent theater here in town, the one the one screen theater, the El Moro downtown. Like they really really pushed this thing when it came out. That would that would have been the year two thousand. So you would have been what mm-hmm. nine at the time? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So the the theatrical release I think was in the fall, and I think the the home distribution was in the spring, right? So you got it on tape first, and then it was to like get you hyped to. Right. See all of those beautiful visuals on the, on the big screen. <laughs> well, and that's yeah. the thing is, yeah, this yeah. movie <laughs> looks like a whole lot of ass. Like, I feel like sure. they were banking oh God, sure on does. word of mouth and like they were trying to drum up hype for something that just wasn't what it needed to be. Yeah, the all. production yeah. quality is like slightly below a mid-season Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. Yeah, I, I will say the first note I have of this is that this is the worst episode of 24 I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> This is probably why you were so into 24, Josh. God yeah. damn it. Fuck. And I hadn't even seen this movie. Um, but before we dive into the 2000 classic film, mm. Left Behind, starring Kirk Cameron, we should mm. probably talk a little bit more. TV's Kirk Cameron? That's yes. right, AJ. Growing now that we've talked about Kirk Cameron? our personal experiences <laughs> with this delightful franchise, why don't we talk a little bit about like how it actually all got yeah. started? Like what yeah. is the the providence of all of this fucking rapture yeah. stuff? So fireproofs is... Kirk Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> so what is the rapture, guys? This is yeah. a thing that's everybody's in the Bible, going to it. Right? That's the right. The Bible said that this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. No. 
Yeah, uh, no. So, <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I've talked about this a little bit in our episode on A Thief in the Night, which is also a Rapture movie. Go mm-hmm. check that out after you've listened to this one. That I got into. I talked about John Nelson Darby. I talked about the the English people living in Ireland who started this whole thing because what we're talking about here is two distinct ideas of the apocalypse that have then fragmented out into like a hundred thousand different ideas of the apocalypse. So right. what we began with in Christianity was the idea of the millennium, the willennium, willennium. Right. Yes. Um, and millenarianism, as we like to call it when we're making big fancy words about this stuff. It's about avocado toast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right, Josh. That's right. Willenarianism. That is right. Uh, how, and, let's see how much more distorted toast. this bit can it's, get. It's, yeah. about, it's about killing uh, Applebee's and other f- family dining establishments. The paper napkin industry. It's, this is an idea that exists in multiple religions that the order is going to be overturned. All of the leaders will be right. replaced by the righteous, right? Whether that is by ascended masters or in the case of uh, original scriptural interpretation, it's going to be Jesus Christ literally here on earth with all of the saints having been revived. And then this, this, the, the, the millennium term comes yeah. from this idea that Jesus Christ himself is going to have this thousand year long reign Yes. Here on Earth, where right. Earth, it'll be like a new heaven and a new Earth, yep. and uh, there's going to be this really great millennium, really great yeah, millennium, correct. where everybody just kind of comes together Miami. and it's chill. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it's going to get really bad, and then it's going to get better again. Right. Who knows? So this belief loses a lot of popularity once the state starts intertwining itself with Christianity. Because no, the power that we have is good. We're the good. We are. We are right, Christ's kingdom on earth. Right, so right, right, obviously, right. this just means the time after you die, you will go to heaven. Jesus Christ, all the saints, we will arise together on the day of judgment and rule in heaven. But he's not gonna. He's not gonna get rid of the pope or the king or or the pope king or the king pope or the prester or whatever. Right. I mean, he just recently got rid of the pope. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Within this as well, there's the idea that the millennium is not a literal thing anymore either. Mm. It's not literally yeah. a thousand. It's not literally years. a thousand years. It's, it's just, just like it's a big number that means it's a term forever. of art. Basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this idea of millenarianism rises at willinarianism. Thank you. Rises again uh, when Will Smith slaps Chris Rock at the Oscars yes. right. uh, early last year. Now I can say last year. Hey, oh, <laughs> hey. it's the new year. And I don't feel any different. I don't. So, um, so. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so we're doing great. deep inside Brian just reached through the zoom screen grabbed me by the throat and shook me good god <laughs> millenarianism rises again with the 1700s I mean we have a bunch of revolutions we have a bunch of toppling of the order we have a bunch of interest in toppling the existing order so you see as like liberalism and lay traditions are coming up mm-hmm. you get these new protestant movements of common folk that are millenarian again that believe that that christ coming will overturn the governments you see some of this in you know like the munster rebellion the early protestant age but now we're seeing it in places like ireland in places like England, which had just had its revolution that failed, in places like America and France and even Spain. And now along with it, there is this bizarre idea of a rapture that sort of floats around a little bit before this. But once we get to the 19th century, it's just it's full in place. That's like things are going to get really bad right before the millennium. But thankfully, if you're a Christian, you're not going to be there. We get a get out of jail free card. Right. But then, of course, you know, 
time goes on, yeah. the Great War happens, the Second Great War happens, yeah. and the Rapture doesn't happen. No, it it, it does yeah. not arrive. Uh, the Christians do not get the opportunity to get spirited away into heaven. Turns in the out, blink God of just lets Christians suffer. Yeah, which if um, you're Catholic, there's no. Um, difficulty in believing in that, right? No. But if you're following this kind of tradition, it's like, but God's supposed to just like pull me out of earth now, right? Yeah. Right? Yoink me up like Mary. Something very interesting, though, happens at the end of World War II, which, of course, is that the British mandate in Palestine ends mm-hmm. up getting converted into a Jewish nation state called Israel. Yeah. Mm. And at this point, there are some theologians who read in the book of Revelation this idea of the kingdom of Israel being reconstituted, and they see a very literal example of this happening in the world. Mm. Yeah, there's an interesting thing where like these books of prophecy, and specifically Revelation, are usually written at times when the kingdom is under threat, whether that's Judea, whether that is uh, Israel as an imperial uh, occupied space. Mm Mm-hmm. They're in places where, yeah, it gets destroyed, like horrible, horrible things happen. But now we have this idea of like, oh, there is a new state of Israel. History is all coming forward now to rejoin. And it's this Israel that is at threat of being destroyed in a way that will bring about the apocalypse. Right. Right. And it's it's no coincidence that like the the big like rapture believing groups in England and Ireland were also part, many of their members were parts of societies that existed to convert Jews to Christianity. There was like the London Jewish, the London Society of Jews or something, but the real name was like the London Society for Converting Jews or something. Oh, God. It's just like, this was a big uh, idea of theirs. And Calvin talked about this in his day that like once the day of judgment comes, and he doesn't have a raptured concept of that, but the day of judgment will also mean that all Jews will finally convert to Christianity and go to heaven, which is one of the nicer outcomes of the Christian apocalypse that we're going to see because that does not happen in Left Behind. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure the fuck does not. In the year 1970, a man mm. named Hal Lindsey publishes a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. Mm. Yep. This book ends up being, per the New York Times, the best-selling nonfiction book of the 1970s. And in this book, Lindsey basically makes the argument that all of the stuff yeah, non-fiction, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? What? <laughs> Loose, it's not a novel. Right, <laughs> sure, right. sure, sure, sure. Um, in this book, Lindsay lays out the case that what we are seeing in the world between the establishment of the modern state of Israel with everything going on with like Nasser and his, uh, mm. you know, pan-Arab uh, uh, union, right. that all of these things point to a fulfillment of the biblical prophecies. Yep, and right. that ultimately, the end game for the world as we know it which is going to be one of the main events that's involved in the rapture is that the set, the temple of Solomon is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. Yep. And that is going to be the thing that, that causes God to come back and, and yep. do the damn thing. Yeah. So now you have a better perspective on why all these Christians were really thrilled that Donald Trump put the embassy back in Jerusalem. Right. Yeah. Um, it's worth noting too, that like 1970, this was a very common type of literature, the kind of stuff that ends up being like history channel documentaries in the 2010s hmm. around 1970, people bought these books. So you also had, uh, in 68, and I think it wasn't translated until, uh, 70 was chariots of the gods, right? The ancient aliens book, which then ends up actually creating Tim LaHaye writes a forward to a book that disproves chariots of the gods. Anyway, this is a big deal. And the late great planet earth itself sold 28 million copies 
in the span of 20 years. There was a 1978 documentary that managed to get Orson Welles to narrate it. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, the man had fallen on hard times. We've all seen the wine advertisements. <laughs> of course we have. Ah, the Babylonians. <laughs> so, AJ, was this, is any of this stuff that you had been familiar with at all, or is this all not. brand new information? No, no, no. Okay. This is, this is yeah. all very new. Um, How does it hit you? Well, it was very interesting because I remember in Catholic school, when we talk about the Book of Revelations, when we talk about the end times, it was made very explicitly clear to me, and maybe I just had like a little bit more liberal teachers, but it was entirely metaphorical. Like it was, uh-huh. this was not meant to be taken literally. Um, they were just mm-hmm. like, yeah, so this is actually just like kind of a riff on like what Rome is doing with their taxes and like all these mm-hmm. numbers are just like kind of like puns on what's happening in the Roman Empire at large. And it's really just more about like leading the revolution to destroy, you know, the Roman Empire yeah. Uh, yeah. by the ravings of a, you know, of a madman on an island somewhere. Uh, and yeah. you should leave it at that. And so, you know, when I was introduced to like the Left Behind books, it was just like, oh, no, this is a thing that people actively believe. And not only that, there's like there's a lot of media about it, like mm-hmm. yes. evangelicals have made like like a case study for it. it's almost like um, they were building up like a an academic argument for mm-hmm. the rapture to be true. But there's yes. there's just yes. nothing to build it on. It's sand. But that's the thing that we find in a lot of this literature is that there are theologians who will do specific readings of the biblical text and they will basically be like hey this says this specific thing it's definitely literally this and there's really no guy who did this more prominently than one tim lahay tim lahay when you look at the left behind books you'll see that it's tim lahay and jerry jenkins tim lahay is a man who was born in detroit in 1926 he served in the european theater in the army air force then right after getting (laughs) back from the war went to Bob Jones University on the GI Bill, where he met one Beverly LaHaye, who uh, you may know as the founder of Concerned Women for America, which is also the organization that killed the Equal Rights Amendment, basically. So Tim LaHaye graduates Bob Jones University in 1950. That's right. This man is basically like tattooing a Confederate flag on his cock. This is the most racist man who has ever lived. Yes. Like Bob Jones University, I think, still had anti-miscegenation rules until like 2003. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yes, he he ended up getting his uh, doctorate in ministry from Western Seminary, spent some time in Minneapolis and then moved to San Diego California. Diego. That's where I currently uh, am. He's actually right he behind me right now. Hey, get out of here. He preached at Scott Memorial Baptist Church, a mega mm-hmm. church that had started back, started back in the 1910s. He grew it out to have three campuses. I think the only campus that remains is in El Cajon. Uh, and yeah. he was there for a quarter of a century and even yes. founded a seminary off of that. And uh, it didn't take long for other movers and shakers in the evangelical world to take notice. He became closely aligned with Jerry Falwell in the Moral Majority, also became richly intertwined with the John Birch Society, uh, uh, which... Uh, what? Him? <laughs> what? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, he was known for his books like 1978's The Unhappy Gays. <laughs> he believed also explicitly in the Illuminati, said so out loud. He believed that the ACLU, NAACP, UN, many other organizations were all part of the Illuminati. Yeah. I wonder why he had an issue with the NAACP hmm. in particular. Hmm. 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 Interesting hmm. that. It is, it is also funny because you've heard of the male gaze and the female gaze. Uh, yeah. My gaze is the unhappy gaze. <laughs> 
He also goes on and founds the Pre-Tribulation Research Center uh, and the American Coalition for Traditional Wait, Values, a.k.a. Active. Hold on. The Pre-Tribulation Research Group? We have not talked about the word tribulation yet. Yes. Because that wasn't the name of this one. The sequel is Tribulation Force. So the tribulation is when the shit gets bad before the millennium. Willing. According to Left Behind and these groups of people, it's exactly seven years, which is very nice and convenient. Yes. And this idea of the rapture happening before the things get bad is to use the big words to make it sound like it's not just crackpot insanity. Right. Uh, is premillennial dispensationalism or pre-tribulation dispensationalism. It's very similar to uh, like the sort of answers in Genesis thing where uh-huh. they use pseudoscientific jargon to prove that the earth is in fact 6,000 years old. Oh, right? You will it's see that kind all of thing. kinds of people who are mad at left behind because it's pre-trib when mm. the reality is probably mid-trib or post-trib. That's right, Brian. So, <laughs> so uh, after after LaHaye uh, has sort of like made his bones in San Diego. He made so many well, bones. Well, no, it's funny you say that, Josh, because I am the current yeah. owner of his bones in oh, San Diego. the bones are your money. <laughs> These dry, uh, dry bones. In 1981, he co-founds something called the Council for National Policy, the CNP, which okay. is basically the... I'm sure that's fine. Christian uh, dark money uh, influence group that still exists. Oh, no. They're the guys dark who helped money. secure Donald Trump's presidency or That's nomination, exactly things the like li- that. Amount of light on money that you shouldn't have. That's right, Brian. And he so he finally so moves. Groups. Yes, yeah. yes. And, yes. And, and eventually, He's a guy. he and his, his wife are both groups guys. They're groups guys. And because of all of those groups, because of all of those they're connections, swingers. he actually moved to DC in 1984 okay. uh, per Christianity Today to focus on his work with ACTIVE, the American Coalition oh. for Traditional Values. And it probably didn't hurt either that the Council for National Policy, the CNP, was really ramping up at that time. Hmm. And yes, this guy did know like Ronald Reagan and George oh, W. Yeah. Bush and oh, George H.W. Bush. He was fully embedded. Very, very influential guy. Uh, Ronald, yeah. so, I was actually really surprised that Ronald Reagan made a cameo in the Left Behind movie uh, as the guy with the head wound just kind of wandering around and then stealing a car and driving away. But that's Tim LaHaye. Uh, AJ, your thoughts? He's for horses. He sounds... Okay, this is... He he sounds like a really bad dude, but also I have to admire how much work he put into being a bad dude. Like, he seems to be the least Mm -hmm. lazy bad dude there is. Uh, It's like, like, compare him to someone like Jack Chick. And Jack Chick also worked hard. He ran his own press, but like, he's doing kind of small right? He's the one with the little pamphlet books Mm -hmm. that you read that's like everyone on the Titanic went to hell. You know, he has his niche. He has his thing. Tim LaHaye was not comfortable with the niche. He wanted everything. Right. And he fucking got it and he got it that's the thing like you can also compare him with somebody like say jerry falwell jr who (laughs) had everything handed to him on a plate and still somehow managed to blow it by being too horny he just wanted his wife to bang some dudes in front of him which isn't like that's fine yeah no just like that's actually the only good thing about him (laughs) (laughs) that's the only that's one of the few relatable things about him no it's Take my wife, please. <laughs> His house is just filled with chairs from hotel rooms that he just takes turns <laughs> sitting in. 
Mm. And so what's really interesting is he teams up with the other Jerry, Jerry B. Jenkins. That's right. Mm. Now, Jerry B. Jenkins is from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Incredible to me that both of these guys are from Michigan. From I Michigan, but met each there. other in very different places than that. Yes. Like it's, yes. And Jerry Jenkins, who knows what he really believes because the man's whole thing is just that he writes. Oh, he's so prolific. So like, Tim LaHaye puts a bunch of stuff on bullet points and then Jerry Jenkins is able to just plug it into a, a genre story. Wow. I mean, he is basically like a one man chat GPT, right? Yeah. Like you put yeah. a prompt into him, he will spit something out. Um, He went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and mm-hmm. because he was at Moody, he then got connected with their publishing arm, Moody Press. Yeah, he was working as like the news editor for their radio station when he right. was still a student and then just made his way all the way up to VP uh, by 1985. And somehow managed to like do be an editor and write a bunch. Like who knows how much of that he actually wrote or whatever. But I do think that there's I a think certain it really type is of him. writer. I think he's just that guy who does yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, according to his official biography, he's written over 200 books. According to Goodreads, he has 370 credits. More than 50 of those books are left behind. That's like some of them are shorter, but like more than 50 of them. Jenkins wrote the other 51. (laughs) So this union then between Tim LaHaye, the biggest fucking right wing evangelical crank in the history of evangelical cranks. It's it, with with Jerry Jenkins, yeah. the most prolific Christian author in the history of Christian authors. This is a match made in heaven. And their mutual literary agent is the one who actually makes the connection, mm. according to an article that Jerry Jenkins wrote for Christianity Today in memory okay. of Tim LaHaye after he died. And he says in this article, and I quote, Tim proved to be a great cheerleader besides being the Bible prophecy expert. I would send him blocks of copy and he would send back his notes to keep me on track theologically, always adding, send more. I want to know what happens next. That's like when AJ wrote the average New Mexico man commercial. Yes. And then I, I would just be like, no, I'll, I'll make it route 66. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is like, oh, yeah, you know, you know what notes that I want? I'm sending off a story to like that, that that's going to like grip the nation and then thing i want yeah. notes on is how's it doing theologically not how the characters <laughs> developing how's the plot going no how closely does this abide to a book that was written by a guy doing cocaine on an island like what right <laughs> well apparently too that the- island being ireland by the way because again this has nice, nothing nice. to do with what what john of patmos was doing yeah it's true um, the other <laughs> thing is according to that very same article left behind the original novel which then is released on December 31, 1995. Uh, the whole pitch, like the, the the core idea for this was from Tim LaHaye. Mm. Uh, he said, and again, I quote from the article, Tim got the idea for Left Behind while on a plane returning from teaching at a prophecy conference, which was oh. his passion. Oh, he says he saw a prophecy conference. We do. What happens at a prophecy conference? They probably hung out with Dutch sheets and that like a white South African guy. Fuck me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, he says he saw a male pilot flirting with a female flight attendant and noticed oh. that the pilot was wearing a wedding ring and the flight attendant wasn't. He imagined the pilot oh, wow. had a believing Christian wife oh, wow. at home. Then Tim wondered what the pilot would think if the rapture occurred right then and several of his passengers disappeared right out of their clothes. He told me, that's all I've got. Can you run with it? He's like, what if, what if all of his passengers became nude? <laughs> okay, this is, yes. this is a minor sticking point, because I, 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 yeah. under, I understand 
theologically, why it's like, oh, we're just returning to God as we are. We don't have to be ashamed of our bodies anymore. You know, the, the original sin of Eden has been like wiped away from us and we're able to be nude in his presence. But the way that this movie really focuses on how naked everybody is in the afterlife is it it's really weird. Like it's it, it struck me as pretty skeezy. Is this consistent? I guess that's not how I saw it. Yeah, because uh, what the way that I saw it was just, well, they've disappeared. Their body has disappeared and their spirit has disappeared. I, but like in heaven, you're a spirit and you're dressed in white robes or whatever. Right. Um, so, so you get just clothes like, when you get up there. It's not like you're just flying yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, God, God. Yeah. You're like a spirit and then God dresses you up in skin or something. And then like in skin, you know, <laughs> your clothes don't get raptured. Right. Does God like, just like have a bunch of skin lying around that he can like slap on your body. Of course he does. He's God. It's in the book of <laughs> Job. Um, so. That's right. Dry bones. Things of that nature. Come on, AJ. Here's, here's the, Get it together. Here's the thing. I haven't read the book of Job, so there's probably skin in Job. Oh, uh, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> Why? So the, what? The Are thing we doing is, Bible chat now? Oh, there's going to No, we're going to talk about Job a lot. Job's no, Bible come chat up. is my corner. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yes, Left Behind is released on December 31, 1995. Like I said, it's a big yeah, hit yeah. in Christian Immediately. circles. Immediately a big hit. It didn't now, need the little Frank Peretti thing of like hanging out for a couple years. Now, worth noting... At this point, again, only a hit in Christian circles specifically. It is at Christian bookstores where it's yeah. selling. The New York Times is not tracking sales in Christian bookstores, only in like through through uh, primary uh, yeah. channels and, you know, Borders and Barnes and Noble and things like that. Yeah, sure. So this then leads to a franchise, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. Subsequent books end up getting released first once a year and then uh, starting in like 98, uh, twice a year. This is just um, Animorphs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It, it, and also like completely the opposite of Animorphs. Like I, I remember in my Barnes and Noble, they were on opposite shelves from each other, each other. And they would like uh, Animorphs and Left Behind. Yeah, yeah they were because it was the Christians. Great. It was the Christian yeah. teen stuff. And then it was just like uh, regular YA. Oh, so Left Behind the kids. Yeah, the yeah, kids yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. And they would just stare at each other. Because I remember I remember the covers of the Left Behind books, uh, the YA ones, because they were all it was all the same design of just like that weird mm-hmm. gaseous cloud. It was just in different colors. Uh-huh. So Y2K Paranoia then is really starting to set in and that's a big part of what makes these books start to have so much purchase not just in christian culture but also in the broader culture wow and also might i add desert storm and saddam hussein yes oh sure yeah so in october of 1998 Mm. uh the new york times publishes an article called Fast-selling thrillers depict prophetic view of final days. Uh, And this article basically talks a bit about how the Left Behind series has been growing in popularity. But the Left Behind series has crossed over from Christian to secular audience by selling well in commercial outlets like Walmart, Target, and Kmart, said Mm -hmm. Phyllis Tickle. (laughs) The the woman's name is Phyllis T-I-C-K-L-E. Yeah, I'm looking for a Phyllis Tickle. <laughs> Does anyone have a Phyllis Tickle? Here's the thing. Most of the time on this podcast, when you you both say a name and laugh in recognition, it's because, like, it's some sort of, like, kingpin of, like, the underground Christian no, movement. No, no, it's yeah. just that her name is Phyllis it Tickle. Is delightful. Like, like, this is just, oh, yeah, her name is is is, yeah. is Phyllis Tickle. Joshua, um, when you paused, I thought you were going to say Phyllis Schlafly. And no. that would have been one of those moments. Yeah. No, no, this is, so, uh, anyway... Quite tickled by this, obviously. Uh, she's a contributing uh, editor in religion Ferry, at Publishers Weekly. Uh, <laughs> this says that indeed they have pervaded our culture, she said. Yeah. yeah. 
the most and then it goes on and talks a little bit about how the books talking about the left behind books here the books have appeared on the expanded version of the new york times list of bestsellers visible only on the newspaper's website with soul harvest in 18th place Mm. on september 6th wow the books have not appeared in the top 10 of the list probably because the newspaper does not track sales at specialty bookstores because of anti-christian bigotry that's right brian Mm. but it Mm -hmm. wouldn't stay this way The hype grew, and by May 2000, The Indwelling, the seventh book in the series, entered the New York Times bestseller list at number one. I'm sorry, what was the title of the book? The Indwelling. What? It's fucking nonsense. Sold 1.9 million copies and debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And I believe there were six more Left Behind books that also debuted at number one. So then this movie adaptation gets uh, going? Essentially, at that yeah, point? that's yeah. uh, October 2000, right? Because so. it's kind of interesting in terms of like Christian fiction about the rapture. It starts with movies, right? It started right. with a much worse movie than the one we watched today. Uh, uh-huh. It started with A Thief in the Night, yes. which we all sat through mm-hmm. uh, for some reason. <laughs> and it's worth noting A Thief in the Night because that was written in 72 after mm-hmm. Late Great Planet Earth had become a, a big hit. Mm. And it included a Larry Norman song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready, yeah. which features yep. that repeated phrase. You've been left behind. You've been left behind. Mm-hmm. You've been left behind. Yeah. Left behind. Yep. Left behind. In October of 2000, Left Behind the movie is released, like we were talking about, yep. to churches like a, a, as a videotape. It's tape. Yep. And the theatrical release is scheduled uh, to follow in February 2001. So yeah. this is also oh, kind of interesting. the next year. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Four, four months later. And this is kind of interesting, too, because now the year 2000 has already come and gone and there was no mm-hmm. rapture. Right. Like most of the big success of this franchise happened not in the run up to the millennium, but after it had already yeah. begun, which is crazy. Yeah. And remember, Billy Graham was kind of one of the big distributors and, and it was Billy Graham's production company that printed the film and sent it to theaters and had all the money made for A Thief in the Night and the Thief in the Night sequels. With Left Behind, we have a couple of other producers. Mm -hmm. We have the Lalonde brothers, and we have Joe Goodman. Yes. And More like Joe Badman. <laughs> Got him. Got and him. Lala- and uh, Joe Goodman worked on a Disney Channel movie. That was his first big thing was he produced a Disney Channel movie called Can of Worms. Right. Which had a lot of puppets in it. Sure did. I'm sure anyone who grew up in the 90s remembers that. And you remember the delivery of the guy saying, you have opened a can of worms. Exactly <laughs> that. Joe Goodman then goes on to produce hangman's curse which we've also covered oh god damn it as well as the other frank peretti movies like house and the visitation and ted decker's three the lalonde brothers are absolute cranks who just make apocalypse movies Mm. so they made the so you've been left behind here's what to do instructional videotape a couple years before oh, this. Oh, yeah, I watched that this morning. So that good. shit is fucking crazy. Yeah, I watched huh. it at my uncle's house, and it was a worn-out tape, let me tell you. Mm, so that wow. It's funny. It's like the idea is that I guess if someone's coming to loot your house because you've been raptured, they'll find this tape and put it in and find out, you know, why you're not around anymore. But really, just Christians watched it over and over. Right, right. But if the looting has already begun, which seems to happen every time a rapture happens in these movies, it's like Uh instant fucking pandemonium. Wouldn't someone just come in and steal the tape? Well, that's, that's what you want them to do. 
Yeah. Because then they'll get saved. Exactly. It's tape. They'll find the truth. But it's too late. Okay, that's another thing I have about the rapture. Is well, there hope yeah, after yeah, the rapture? Like, you want them to so. be saved post. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends. Yeah. Um, some people think the rapture happens and then they're, it, they're fucked. Yeah. Right? You get to the moment where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess as Jesus is making his glorious appearing and they're going to be like, oh shit, that's God. That's actually God right there. And it's too late for them. They're going to hell anyway. Yeah. Other people do not believe that. There is an opportunity to be saved. As you see in these books, that is the case. Right. There are some who believe that there is a second rapture that happens at the end of the seven years because there's more more tribulation <laughs> happening. It sounds the exhausting. Is, this, Can I just say the rapture movement, sounds like an exhausting time. The millenarian movement always millenarian. seems to be associated with churches just breaking apart. Mm. <laughs> like every single time people just splinter off a million different ways and they develop a million different uh, modes of thinking about this thing that's not really scriptural in any in, in any way. Sure, sure, sure. What I thought was very interesting in my research into this movie being made was that they really, really wanted it to be like a big Hollywood blockbuster thing. Tim LaHaye specifically yeah. wanted yeah. that. Yeah. Like he was he was actually quite disappointed in this film because it wasn't what he pictured in his own oh, mind. Oh, and hey, yeah. guess what, Josh? He sued him over it. He sued oh, the shit. producers of the film because it did not live up to the vision in his head. Well, and that's what you get for working with the Lalonde brothers. They produced the trilogy. They they just produced movies that are the exact same thing. Like they did the trilogy of Apocalypse, Revelation, and Tribulation, one of which is pretty much just shot entirely in a single white room. Sweet. <laughs> and they just combine. They just do this back and forth. One is like documentary. One is semi-documentary and recreate re- reenactment. One is uh, full uh, uh, fictional storytelling. They just do this shit over and over and over again. And that's who you get to produce these movies mm. is people who make imitation movies right. rather than a real thing. Right. I mean, obviously, they couldn't get the funding from big Hollywood people because they read the script and went, this is fucking terrible. Well, and the thing is, they got close. Yeah. Because there was another producer who's credited, but he left the project very quickly. Ralph Winter. He's oh, producing. He's still producing. He Tokyo Vice was put out by him. He produced the X-Men movies. He produced uh, Star Trek movies. He produced Hocus Pocus. Wow. Uh, they got Alan McElroy of the famous McElroy brothers, uh, <laughs> uh, who's a screenwriter who's been around for ages. He's currently working on Star Trek Discovery. He wrote uh, some really great, just absolute lemons of movies like Ballistic X versus Sever. Oh, the Spawn oh I, saw, movie. Oh, yeah, I saw that dude. in theaters. I was alone <laughs> in the theater. Why? Why did you do that? No, here's the thing. He wrote the Spawn movies and he wrote a bunch of horror movies sequels so like these are real hollywood guys who can get things produced yeah and i think the lalon brothers like ran them off but what i, I need to know why, yeah. why, why did you saw in ballistic you x versus sever fan of the game boy advance game that came out like two years before the worst games ever made that was a, that was a period of my life where uh if you were bored like on a weekend you would uh, we would just be like dropped off at a movie theater and then we just watched movies like we just went were there not all, other options no, no um, that's you all you do in california is you you mm. you watch movies or you surf yeah and right. that's it that's all you do out there and because i am terrified of the sea i went to <laughs> i went to the movie theater instead and uh, so that's you didn't even go grunion fishing at any point in your what life. What the AJ? fuck is a grunion? Apparently, this was a big thing for the boomers. Yeah, they're they're just fish that spawn and then they kind of wash up on the beach and you mm. can just sort of pick them off of the sand. I had Pokemon. <laughs> I didn't have to go outside. You can't eat the 
Pokemon. You, I you sure can, can eat Grunions. You sure can. Magikarp is delicious. But there's like there was a point where like I'd run out of you would run out of movies. Like you'd be taken to yeah, these movie yeah. theaters. You'd be sat down and then you'd see all the good ones. And then you just had to see what was left. That's how I saw Malibu's Most Wanted in theaters. That's how I oh, saw yeah. X versus Sever in theaters. Like it was. Mm-hmm. I have I have this like encyclopedic knowledge of every bad movie released from like 2000 to 2006. I'm honestly kind of surprised, AJ, that you didn't see Left Behind as one of those bad movies. Like yeah, it was hard to it find. Just didn't get, it didn't get yeah. regular theatrical release. We did not right. have it at the theater owned by the big franchise in New Mexico. It was right, at right, the right, independent right. theater in town. It was probably because a church finagled that whole deal. This movie opens with a title card for something called Cloud 10, which is one more than nine. Uh, uh, so yep. that's nice. Oh, uh, and that's I don't know about dumb. you guys, but I was getting big like Saturday's Warrior vibes off of these opening oh, titles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, immediately. This movie also opens. It does the little like spy movie thing where you get text saying where you are. Yeah. And it wants you yeah. to know that this movie is set in the far off future of 6 p.m. Yes. This whole yes. movie takes place in 6 p.m. It sure, that's right, it sure does. The, I mean, the movie opens with a voiceover of Kirk Cameron's character saying, how do you describe both a beginning and an end? And I screamed at my TV, that's your job. Very carefully, you asshole. You're a reporter, um, you idiot. We get images of places around Jerusalem, I guess. Like there's and an we image get of the, music that's like, ah. It's awesome. We sure are, the dome the of the we sure are in Jerusalem. Like at the Western Wall. <laughs> we brought up the room earlier. It reminds me of the intro of the room where we're just like going around San Francisco. And you're like, well, that sure yeah, is yeah, San like Francisco. the pan of the bridge. Oh, yeah, I guess yeah, we're yeah, still yeah. in San Francisco. Just the pan of the dome of the rock yeah, yeah. and uh, we learn pretty early on we see this that oh no they're being invaded i guess yeah because yeah. we're in iraq now and the time yeah. 603 p.m so it's been three minutes uh from the from the first yes. scene in jerusalem to this one and then they stop keeping time at all yeah kirk cameron is playing a guy named buck now buck, buck i think in buck the book Williams. he's a newspaper journalist right yeah Yes. Josh? Yeah. Oh, well, he works for a Newsweekly. He works for like a Time Magazine type deal. Yeah. So in this, Buck works for GNN. Mm-hmm. That's right, Brian. Uh, Global. A name so, News so creative that like five other movies and TV shows have also gone with that same. They also uh, literally just do the CNN logo, but it's got a G instead a G. of a C. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, the, in the prime trivia that came up, it's, uh, it implied that everything with GNN is set in the same universe. Uh, so like NCIS, yeah, is NCIS is the same universe is left behind canonically. Yes. That's funny. <laughs> NCIS is a post rapture procedural. Mark That's Harmon right, just Brian. bursts into the room and says, "Give me that controller." <laughs> Kirk Cameron is hanging out with a Jewish guy, and like yep. a lot of evangelicals mm-hmm. believe that Jewish people have superpowers. Okay. And yes. this guy's Jewish superpower is that he makes really good grain. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, he's developed something, basically. It's not entirely made clear. The book's a little yeah. more specific did, about did this. You, but do you guys remember what this, this man's name is? Chaim Rosenzweig. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jerry Jenkins was like... <laughs> Tim LaHaye was like, I need a Jewish character. No, and Jerry sh- Jenkins is like, I'm on it, baby. I don't know. I'm I, on it. I feel like I feel like Tim LaHaye himself might have named this guy. It's 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 hard to say, but what I can tell you is that our buddy Chaim 
has invented well well they're they're a band actually yeah no i was going to say that's sisters. like my favorite pop band and, uh, <laughs> well i i couldn't also understand what they were saying i thought they were saying like rosenzweig for a long time or then rosenzweig mm. they're all like saying it differently say, they're all yeah. pronouncing yeah. it differently one of my favorite things yeah. cuz uh, yeah sometimes yes. they're saying it they're like getting the little tss, the little german zweig in there yeah. and then sometimes it's just zweig or whatever yeah. yeah what we need to know about this guy is that he has invented a thing that can basically make the desert bloom. It's the yeah. ultimate fertilizer. Yeah, he he's made he's made the planet from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, right. And uh, Kirk Cameron's first yeah. line in the film. I just want to point this out because I think it's indicative of the dialogue in the entirety of this thing. But I laughed <laughs> so hard. It's <laughs> I'm Buck Williams and I'm standing in a wheat field in the middle of the Israeli desert. If no, if there was like a version of this character that was like a Phil Connors, do you know what I mean? Like it, I I, yeah, I, I never yeah, yeah. fully understood why buck gets left behind until like near the end where it's just clear he's not a christian but like mm-hmm. I, I wanted him to be more of an asshole like make him yeah into... it's like everyone else has a sin yeah. has like a defining sin to them and he just he just didn't get there at some point so yeah the thing that that Haim has come up with and, and i think like kirk cameron is like theoretically good casting like this is mm-hmm. the kind of person who has sort of a blank charm to him. Yes. And Kirk Cameron can embody that pretty yeah. well. Yeah. And so he's he is the news reporter. He's the guy who goes into the 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 real shit like a guy g- growing some grain. Yeah. Some growing grains. We learn from a single phrase that the world has a food shortage. And so Heim Rosenzweig's thing is that it's going to help the world's food shortage because you can grow this stuff anywhere, even yeah. the Sahara Desert. Right. Ooh. And then some bad guys attack. Does it say Iraq? It, uh, does it say says Iraq. Iraq. It says Syria. Yeah, the, it's on um, okay. the Iraq-Syrian border, but it's it, it jumps around so much, I thought that they were implying that um, the Iraq-Syrian border was also bordering uh, Israel at one point because they're just like jump cutting from like place to place but it, it's all the same stock footage this is another thing where they just get lost in the sauce here for no apparent reason in the book it's very clear this is Russia Russia is oh, conducting ops with what? the aid of allies in the area because this is like the kingdom of the north or whatever that's mentioned in the, the book king of, of the north the king of the north the king of the north I, I think I think it's <laughs> Russia, 19, fucking Boris Yeltsin's Russia. Bro, I don't fucking know. Because these guys all are just like fucking horking down Putin's cock at this point. <laughs> these guys love Russia, dude. I don't Jesus. know. I don't know. All I can tell oh, you is yeah. get poisoned next week. Like uh, the movie is somehow like less incoherent than that. That's so funny because. Basically, the idea is that it's all of Israel's Arab neighbors. Those Correct. Arabs in Iraq uh, are all yeah. coming and, and launching their planes. It's, it's it's very interchangeable, too, the way they use Arabs yeah. and Muslims in this. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, it, by design. No, so go ahead and play the clip, Brian. So, yeah, so this, this attack is coming. These CGI planes are flying overhead. It's like Birdemic. And uh, <laughs> Buck and Haim go into um, downstairs Israel. They go into Israel's basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is the war room. Like, they just happen to yeah. be, like, near the war room. <laughs> it's it's really, it's honestly just the Animorphs set. It also turns to night um, immediately. Like, day yeah. just instantly turns to night. Yeah, there's a Yavin 4 situation. There's people riding on clear right. screens with the Mon camera Mothma behind them. shows up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of boffins around. Uh-huh. Uh, we get this this word about what's going on upstairs on upstairs Israel. What's going on? It's a full scale air attack. No warning. By who? Could be anyone. 
No one has more enemies who want to see her destroyed than Israel. Mm. And then someone walks up to Mako and says, we have achieved surprise. <laughs> and like, there is this slight implication that there is internal sabotage happening too, because the Iron Dome fails because of a computer error. Right, right. Yeah, I, I'd but forgotten about that completely. Actually, what ends up happening is all of the aircraft is destroyed mm -hmm. uh -huh. um, and nobody really knows why. Everything just fails completely. Yeah. yeah. Now, the one to witness this, of course, is Buck Williams, Kirk Cameron. Yeah. He he, he reemerges from the basement yeah. of Israel. He, takes a he selfie. sees that something is going yep. on and he, he realizes the world needs to see the news. And then you have all the GNN people back home yeah. that he's yeah. somehow broadcasting to with yeah. an unconnected handy cam with, with this little bit of commentary on just who Buck really is. That's the right. The sun is gone. Thousands of planes are soaring overhead. Fire is raining from the sky. This is just unbelievable. This has got to be the biggest surprise attack since Pearl Harbor. <gasps> <gasps> <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. We informed by top-ranking military officials that Israel has been unable to launch even a single plane in defense. Uh -huh. I would have filmed Hiroshima from Ground Zero if you'd been there. Ground yeah. Zero? That's our buck. That's our buck. As I stand here, <laughs> because he was a spy. fighter planes are exploding in midair. They're crashing and falling to the ground without oh my any God. explanation. Yeah, so this, this, it's not even just like, okay, let's just do the rapture story like Thief right. in the Night. Right. There's this really involved shit about a super grain and airplanes exploding in midair. Well, and again, right. this is like the deep lore. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. In the context deep. of the book, you're able to pull it together a little bit more because, again, this is the shit where, like, Tim LaHaye was probably like, there has to be a part where they come up with a chemical that can turn the desert green. There has yeah. to be an attack from Russia. Right, right, right. There has to be. And, and these so, are the and theological so, you know, notes that, that Jenkins yeah. These are the theological yep. notes that Jenkins mentioned. Yeah. So they pull them in here, but the problem is that because the storytelling is such that the stakes are unclear from the jump, it's like, right. why should I care about any of this? Yeah. The other thing about how it works in the book is that this is the thing that makes Buck realize that God is real, but he's not willing to go so far as to accept that Jesus Christ is his son and things of that nature. Oh, oh interesting. Okay. I mean, that's because he because he immediately after this, there's a just a weird old guy who emerges from nowhere. Yes. Right. And right. I've got the clip. Right. War will continue until the end. Desolations have been decreed. You will confirm a covenant with many <laughs> for seven years. Whoa! <laughs> I had to keep the music. Yeah, too. no, no. Yeah, that's like. <laughs> so this man is like covered in robes, right? He looks, he looks, yes. he looks like a prophet out of like the Old Testament, right? And I cannot right. stress yes. enough that after saying that line, we watch him just kind of walk away. Yeah, that's awesome. Like Twenty it's sort seconds. Of like, he's sort of like, well, this is awkward now, and he turns and Guess leaves. I better um, go. Yeah, it's like when Tiresias shows up in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Right? It's just like a mysterious dude shows up, leaves a couple clues and then walks off yeah, yeah, yeah. and again buck williams is witnessing this with his own two eyes right. you know he's seeing mm -hmm. this he's hearing this he's hearing it with his own two ears uh -huh. now that's here's important. a question for the group yes. yeah um we might as well take a, a minute or two here to talk about the character of buck williams yes. this is again okay. kirk cameron yeah, he's got um, the mad hits. He tried to match wits. He tried to hit me, but I bust through. Sure. That's uh, how do we find this character? What what defines him? What makes him who he is? He's our buck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's he's Kirk Cameron. He's yeah. Kirk Cameron strikes me as an actor who does not like to play people that aren't 
good or like per or like mm -hmm. or if they're flawed yep. the flaws will be like completely erased by the end of the film and they will become a good yeah, guy yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah you you haven't seen fireproof where he plays a very complicated man who jacks off to pornos sometimes wait really yeah 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 that, oh, that's a yeah, yeah, he, no, he gets <laughs> he gets bricked up by fucking pop-ups and he just has to <laughs> jack off and then he has to destroy his computer at the end because he keeps seeing pop-ups oh, yeah i, I mean it, 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 there, there's a whole scene where he's just <laughs> looking out a window at a jogger and he's just like losing his shit it's a I, okay because the thing is is like buck williams as a character is interesting but i think we should take a moment to talk about kirk cameron because he is a yeah. fixture of the evangelical world and this is our first yes. time covering kirk so yeah 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 i'm sure it won't be the last because no, no, we kirk, will not be done kirk after this we will have to keep doing kirk was working on growing pains when he converted in the sort of later seasons of that yeah and became this fixture not just of evangelical art right not just these fictional movies that are being made, but he all also hosted The Way of the Master with her boy Ray Comfort. Um, oh, really? Yeah, oh, dude. yeah hell yeah. Uh, yeah, you remember that clip of, of Ray Comfort holding the banana and showing how the banana is this, so perfectly shaped? This is the banana. This is the atheist nightmare. <laughs> this, this simple object lets us know that God has designed it perfectly for humans. It has a convenient pull tab that you can use to open it. It's perfectly fit to the shape of a human hand with five equal sides. Phyllis Tickle, like you want to come over here and have a banana? Oh, she comes and like gives oh a little tickle on the god. bottom. Yeah, God, yeah. what a rogues gallery. That was, that was the show that he hosted with Kirk Cameron. And then, oh, of good. course, Kirk Cameron yeah, makes yeah, yeah. his little documentaries about like whose America are they? And mm -hmm. um, what, what, what's you the know, movies about like reclaiming? Oh yes, <laughs> I mean, of, course. Yeah, of course. Oh yes, Great. and uh, reclaiming Christmas and all of whatever oh, horse yeah. shit he's up. We got to put the Christ in Christmas, and also AJ, not jacking off to pornos. <laughs> AJ, what was what's your uh, experience or frame of reference for Kirk? Cameron? I watched Growing Pains a lot as a kid, not like really? actively, but it was always okay. on in the background because Disney Channel would just run reruns of that shit like oh, they all did. day, yeah. every day, but. This is where things get weird. I want to talk about Growing Pains at some point because mm -hmm. I think it's sort of a, a it feels like a cursed object to watch now. I mean, it gave us Robin Thicke, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kirk Cameron. So. Oh, what a fucking rogues gallery. <laughs> but, it, but it was one of those things that I remember the advertisements for Growing Pains because Kirk Cameron was like the supposed like lead of that show initially. But when Leonardo DiCaprio's fame sort of like exploded, right, um, they made all of the advertisements only about Leonardo DiCaprio. And mm, I remember yeah. that they did like what is essentially like a fan cam of just clips of Leo from the show with the voiceover of a woman saying, Oh, Leo. And it was, I, I, I definitely a child in that. context. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it felt really huh. gross, but I do wonder if like Leo's ascendancy had anything to do like, cause basically Kirk Cameron was cucked by Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. On his own I feel show. like yeah. that would really put a chip on your shoulder. Cousin Oliver became the star of the show. Yeah. Well, it's also not unlike <laughs> you know? what we talked about with how I met your mother. Right. Where Josh Radner got eclipsed by Neil Patrick Harris, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And it's just that, you know, Josh Radner not leave How I Met Your Mother and then like become an evangelical Christian. He just became a profound deck enthusiast, I guess. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, maybe uh, he's building decks for the Lord. You don't that's know. That's true. You don't know. That's true. You don't know. 
<laughs> well, Buck Williams doesn't necessarily love Dex, uh, but what no. he does love Nor to does do he love the Lord. is work hard uh, at yeah. his job. And now, he loves to kiss his wife and only his wife. Yes. His job where his coworker has this weird henna tattoo in the middle of her forehead yes. that no one talks about. It's just there the whole movie. Kirk Cameron loves to have temptations on set, but he can't ever like go through with it. So he needs like somebody very attractive that he can lust after, but never ever. The wiles of that worldly woman. It's like woman. how Mrs. Doubtfire needs to sit in the smoking section. Oh my what? God. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Keep it going, boys. Keep I, it going. I, I, my brain broke. I don't get it. Oh, my brain I don't get it. So, Mrs. Um, Doubtfire, she asks for the smoking section because as Robin Williams, she already has another, he has a dinner date with a, with like an agent or something or a producer at the in the non-smoking section of the same restaurant. So while ooh, Mrs. Doubtfire ooh. is going to dinner with Sally Field mm-hmm. right. and uh, Pierce Brosnan, who she's going mm-hmm. to poison, they have to be seated in separate parts of the restaurant. Yes, got it. So Mrs. Doubtfire makes the excuse, oh, I need to sit in the smoking section mm-hmm. because I used to be a smoker and I still yeah. just need a little touch of the nicotine in right. order to mm-hmm. uh, resist uh, the the ongoing temptation uh, of nicotine abuse. I see. Great. Uh, I so- wanted to move this along. <laughs> I did too. You can cut the whole fucking thing if you want. Suck my dick. So, so, wait, so wait. is 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 Kirk Cameron is Kirk Cameron the one who won't kiss anybody but his wife? Yes. Okay. Yes. And his yes. wife is the same way, which is why when you see the scene later where she's fucking the the pilot yeah. and he goes in to kiss her, they cut immediately away to the rapture. That's so cool. Oh, <laughs> fascinating. So now that we've met Buck Williams, we need to yeah. meet our other main guy. Ooh, yeah. And he, he's this, a real guy. Rayford Steele. Yeah. Rayford Steele. So Rayford, Rayford. Steele is a, uh, a pilot. Uh, he works for an airline called Pan Continental, uh-huh. uh, which is, I, I guess, an amalgamation of Pan Am and Continental. Continental. We're in Chicago with him now. He comes downstairs dressed up in his pilot gear. Uh, he meets his family. He's got a daughter. Yeah. He's got a son. And he has a bitch wife. <laughs> we got this little Christian song playing Catholics in the background. Pray is actually the father, the son, the bitch wife. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And we can tell that the daughter is a bit of a problem because she's listening to her Christian music too loud. Right, and she has right, a right. piercing. She has a nose yep. ring. Yeah. Nose yeah. Piercing. Might as well shave your yeah. head, he says. <laughs> oof. Mug oof. Yeah. He doesn't like to go to church so much. He, he, he hates his son. Uh, or at least yeah. the concept of his son having a birthday. Uh, he refuses because right. he has to go and fly a plane. He has to be a pilot right. for his for his yeah. career, I guess. Yeah, and also so he can have sex with the pretty flight attendant lady, who is Kirk Cameron's who wife. Kirk yes. Cameron's wife. This is this characterization of of Rayford as just being a complete fucking asshole. Yeah, uh, is a pretty significant shift from the book, actually. Um, oh, okay. In the hmm. book, I would say that he is a somewhat sympathetic character, at least. Uh, although. With regard to his son, there is something that I would like to uh, read from the book, or maybe, Brian, actually, I would like you to read this. Okay, just this highlighted part. Yes, please. It wasn't simply Raimi's age and innocence that had allowed his mother's influence to affect him so. It was his spirit. He didn't have the killer instinct, the me-first attitude Rayford thought he would need to succeed in the real world. He wasn't effeminate, but Rayford had worried that he might be... A mama's boy. Mm. Too compassionate, too sensitive, too caring. He was always looking out for someone else when Rayford thought he should be looking out for number one. 
how grateful he was now that Raimi took after his mother more than he took after his father, and how he wished there had been some of that in Chloe. Mm. She was competitive, a driver, mm. someone who had to be convinced and persuaded. She could be kind and generous when it suited her purpose, but she was like her dad. She took care of herself. God, it's wild how close it is to Peretti's prose. Like I know, right? Oh, it's yeah. all cut from the same template. First of all, Raimi. R-A-Y-M-I-E is the name of this boy. No wonder he's a faggot. (laughs) 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 No, come on. He wasn't effeminate, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, not exactly. The prose is so bad that I don't know how you adapt this and make it any good. Like, it's like... Well, you don't. Watching this movie is like opening up a bag that says Dead Dove and saying, I don't know what I was expecting. Like, it's... Right. And I think, actually, now having read that bit of text, I think that the movie is a lot more is I, I like have more respect for the movie than I did before um, yeah. because at least it does make that bold choice to make Rayford which I mean I've never <laughs> Rayford, Rayford Steel. Steel into like just to make him a fucking ass is it just basically. Ford Steel like I don't why not just Ford Steel is such a cooler name than Rayford no it's Steel. just like it's Ray but it's cool because Raymond isn't cool Deborah. you know I gotta fly this a plane, Deborah. I've got Rayfords of Sarah. There, there, um, there he is. So, so Raimi's having a birthday party, and uh, yeah, Dad's sure. gotta go. We we really we've talked about this too much already. We, we do really, not need to know about the Steele family because they're in one scene. We saw them. We're going. And guess uh, what? We already know what's gonna happen to them. Like yeah. they're clearly too nice to stick around, except for obviously the the Jezebel daughter. Yeah. I do like that. The, um, the, the, the uh, Raymond and his wife, or uh, Rayford. I'm sorry, Rayford and his. Deborah. Debra, there's a doorbell, Debra. They're in a fight. So the doorbell rings. Uh, they're, they're having a conversation or like a fight. And then the doorbell rings and uh-huh. Rayford, like a golden retriever, says doorbell and just leaves the scene <laughs> to go answer the door. And at the door is their pastor right. who has a name. Yeah, it's Bruce. I don't know if they ever actually say it in the movie or not. Hold on. Bruce? Buck? Rayford? Yeah. What is this? A leather bar? Oh. Oh. Is that You're not yes anding me right now. Right? <laughs> I don't I don't know how to. Like, okay. So we also spend some time in this learning a little bit more about what's going on with the world. The UN is is stepping up and doing some stuff. We see yes. this guy Nikolai Carpathia, who looks like a I, I don't know, an ema- emaciated Steve McQueen. And he's going out there and he's he's talking about how, yeah. like, people need more food. Yeah, there's there's also a plan because, again, uh, Haim, our boy Haim, has yeah. this um, thing that can, you know, bloom the desert or whatever. And yeah. uh, there are some people in high finance who are bankrolling a project from this uh, to set up internationally certain things there are bankers who hmm. are behind, mm-hmm. shall we say, this Josh, international are they, Jew. Mm-hmm. Are they uh, are they national bankers or are they a different kind of banker? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're international bankers Interna- who are supporting oh, huh. a Jewish Inter- man of, of an international who is Israeli, huh. but who is interested in world peace for Wait, all the Nikolai, nations. I thought Nikolai Carpathia uh, was Romanian. He He's Roman, according to uh, 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 the, uh, the book. Uh, he's Roman. Uh, uh, yeah, more an uh, antique Roman than a Dane. Yeah. Oh, so... 
The thing is, the role that these two guys have is really, really hard to follow. Yes. It wasn't until near the end of this movie when we caught a clip of someone mentioning international bankers that I realized that's what they were. I thought they were UN guys. Yeah, me too. The two, you're talking about the two guys here, uh, the, Stonegal and fucking, I don't remember what his name Stonegal? is, but it's something. Stonegal, there's, yeah. There's Stonegal and there's a guy whose name is not Jacob Rees-Mogg, but I just remember <laughs> his name as being that because it's something like that. <laughs> and he's basically Jacob Rees Mogg, so who cares? Yeah. Donegal in Dublin. Uh, it's. <laughs> It kind of, it, these two guys, they sit around drinking tea that is yes. like served to them by a manservant yes. in like muted, like dark green rooms. And this again is one of those things where in the book, Jenkins really created this like deep lore about these guys. Okay. Yeah. And so you sort of get a sense of who they are, that they're financiers. Uh, they seem to be the ones who are controlling the game and controlling... They're responsible for all the wars. Whereas right, Nikolai right, is right. only watching the game, controlling it. Well, but they don't think he's controlling right, he's it, right? The they puppet, think that yeah. he is being controlled by. They think he's the puppet. Yeah. Puppet, puppet, you're a puppet. No puppet, yeah, you're no, the puppet. No, no puppet, no puppet. <laughs> no puppet. Yeah, Nikolai is like getting food. To be, he's always going on TV, being all bleeding heart, and like, we need to feed people. We also get a little piece of news, like someone just gets past a piece of paper that's like, huh, no Korea is using the euro now? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's also like every time these guys are introduced, there's a scene where like one of them is literally rubbing his hands together maniacally. Yes. Well, he just kind of paces across the room. Like, it's so clear. Like, Friends, you'd think that this would be a good performance, and yet it's not. Yeah, it's not. No. It's very boring. It's, 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 it's no. not. It's yeah. not knowing. It should be. It should be but it's bigger. Not. I think the performance should be bigger, and that would, that would yeah. make me... But like they're trying more. so hard for legitimacy. Oh, they're trying, they're trying so, so hard. hard. And and it's listeners, if you think that like we're we're putting a lot of emphasis on like international bankers, actually inside the movie, they clarify it. They're like, oh, what kind yeah. of bankers? And then they almost look into the camera and say, international. And then they go back oh, into it. Like they yeah. really it's hit so it hard. It's and it's so even good. worse in the book, if you can believe yeah, that. Yeah, because the book actually makes whatever they are clear at the beginning and it talks about how these international bankers are in control of the jewish nationalists it's, yeah. inc it's incredible Ugh. and so then buck goes to meet like this source that calls him up who's sort of i don't know his version of spooky molder or yeah, the lone gunman or something or, uh, he's the smoking man deep throat and so so kirk meets with dirk i'm sorry a uh, buck meets with dirk <laughs> uh oh this guy's name is dirk by the it way is. his name is dirk wait a second oh dirk mm-hmm Buck? Uh-huh. Rayford? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. What is this? <laughs> A leather bar? <laughs> <laughs> so, So, uh, <laughs> Buck is meeting with Dirk. Yes, Dirk. Buck? Outside the leather bar. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> And Dirk's Names. a little crazy. Yeah, he's right? been out he's there. He believes in the CIA, NSA. He has some files. He's got some documents, man. Yeah. He's been smoking a lot. He doesn't sleep. Kirk Cameron gets the one joke this movie has. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and hit us with it. Have you slept at all in the last right. week or some yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy's like, like I've slept, and he's holding an unlit cigarette that the, that was lit earlier. Uh -huh. um, yeah, he keeps jumping back and forth. Cares? I mean, he, either the, way, this, this guy Kramer. has the answer. The guy, Kramer's yeah. having a really yes. bad time. Yes, yes. Uh, and, uh, and he's the one who's like, you know, he's talking about the bankers, and not just any bankers, international bankers. Yeah. And he reveals that in his wristwatch, he has... The tiniest CD-ROM. 
thumb. Yeah, it's like a teeny tiny little disc. Yeah. yeah, this uh, was before the age of the thumb drive. He should have had a zip drive. He but, has a um, Sony mini disc. Um, <laughs> this mini but yeah, this like, disc is so mini. In order to get it to work, I, I, the world's tiniest country boy, uh-huh, have to jump on uh-huh. it and start running. And if I yeah. don't, if I don't keep running, you'll never see the important files on the world's uh-huh. tiniest CD-ROM. Yep. I mean, yeah, this disc is so small. It, it's like the little CDs in Xenon Girl of the 21st century. That's right, Brian. <laughs> Which would run in rep with Can of Worms. They were great. <laughs> there we go. There we go. It all comes full circle. But uh, yes, the thing that we need to know here about Dirk is that he's the guy who seems a little out there, but you know what? Hmm. All the shit that he's been tracking about like yeah. this one world currency and about the moves that are being uh-huh. made to sort of consolidate power in the UN. Yeah. Well, it's all like something it's all big is happening. Man. It's all connected, it's all connected. Man. The, the exploding planes, the everything. But who knows? Who knows what that's about? Anyway, but they have this meeting and then it's just like over. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, that yeah. guy was crazy. And then they move on with things. And it's ugh, yeah. And, and there's so this whole thing about I think it's with the bankster guys where they're talking about how like, oh, these Arabs are starving. And yet they all they choose is war, which is what you'll hear from every fucking evangelical in history. God of course, damn it, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because these Arabs, it's they are always aggressing toward the state of Israel. There's no yeah. other reason that you could possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 From here, then we're actually back in the editing room with Buck for some yeah. reason because mm-hmm. this part didn't broadcast also for some reason and it yeah. turns out that that mystery prophet who we saw earlier yeah. well, he was actually speaking Hebrew it wasn't English at all yeah oh! he was speaking Hebrew in a very strong English accent <laughs> so wow like, crazy Baruch Atah Adonai Melech Ahalam so now it's a cut back to London yeah. And we got a suit guy meeting with Nikolai Carpathia. Uh-huh. They're backing him to take over the UN. There's some shit about the temple. This is a mess. This is just a yeah, mess. Yeah, this is all this temple There's so stuff. much intrigue. And, and again, things are going to keep jumping back to Heim Rosenzweig, yeah. which I didn't remember this part of the movie. It's just, it's so poorly done because it's all kind of off screen action. I right, guess. Yeah. right, right, right. I was like, why do we care about the grain boy? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, and we have this whole thing at the beginning with him being like, oh no, all my grain's gone. Uh, there, this scene contains the line that like actually really genuinely pissed me off. Um, <laughs> oh. There is an, there is one of the bankers in this movie is played by like one of the worst actors I've ever seen. It reminds me of like an executive wanted a cameo, but like for some reason he mm. has just like a shit ton of dialogue. He's, he's, he's part of like the twosome that Carpathia spoilers, I guess for this horseshit movie movie but uh one of the two people that he kills at at, at the end yeah. uh, of the film but because he's a good guy and these guys are bad guys right yeah. right but that's why that but happens. the guy says who will deliver the arabs their children cried from hunger yet they still chose war i think it's like these these are clearly bad dudes but that seems to be the ethos of this movie and the opinions of the that is fucking just it. like paint by numbers yeah. zionism right it's there. true that well, it's something that i heard all the time in church growing up. And it's up. Christian Zionism just, specifically. Yes, that's fascinating. Uh, Arabs just choose war. Every time. Every time that Israel extends her hand in peace, it's slapped away by the Arabs. Like that's it and the reason for sort of this way of viewing the world is that you need to perceive Israel as being not just the legitimate source of power in Palestine, not just the Israeli state, Mm -hmm. but the idea that like the Israeli state is something that is appointed by God himself. Right. Right. Well, and that's, that's one of the interesting things too, is like, if you grow up like Southern Baptist, 
you will get this image in your head that Israel has just been there this whole time. Sure. Like it's just this continuous state that has been present for the last 2000 years as opposed to not. Yeah. (laughs) Which is the reality. And no one wants to talk about it because it's like, oh, it's the it's the whole thing. It's God's promised thing. Well, it's like, well, God didn't promise this for like 2000 years, man. This is a really fucking long time. Yeah. 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 And now we're back on an airplane and Buck is on the plane because he's going somewhere. I like I don't fucking know. What, the plane, why, it's like, a midnight plane going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And, and uh, Buck is on the plane. Rayford <laughs> Steele is flying the plane. Yes. And there's a hot babe flight attendant. Named who, Hattie. Her name's Hattie. Yeah. Um, again, hold on. It, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Buck. Oh, my God. Rayford. Oh, my God. Hattie. Mm. Yeah. What is this? Uh, a leather bar? Oh, God. Yeah. No, uh, that's, that's a really good question, Brian. <laughs> it is really good. So Hattie knows Buck. He's her best customer, right? She's got yeah. a chihuahua yeah. sitting on the counter. Yeah, yeah, And he yeah, buys yeah, yeah. flowers. <laughs> no, there. she's like, why, yeah. oh, you're my frequent flyer Buck. Well, well, well she's uh, like, how's my favorite stewardess? And he says, how's my favorite yeah. stewardess? I'm like, you don't have, that doesn't happen. And, and well, Buck has gotten her a job. Buck is like, oh, yeah, I love your stewardessing. I just put in my phone call at the United at the Nations. United Nations, yeah. So that you can get a job as a United Nation. This is, again, one of those things that makes slightly more sense in the book, <laughs> but not really. Okay, okay. Like, because the idea here, right, is that Buck is what would be like with United. Like, a, no, oh. Well, yes, but <laughs> uh, that Buck is basically what would be like a United 1K member, right? Like he's one of those guys who is just like flying so much that he right, has like he's a reporter. the yeah, top, yeah. top, top status. Everybody at the airline knows who he is. They he's spend a lot of coach. They spend yeah, a, sure well, not in, <laughs> not, the beginning. not in, not in the book, oh. not okay, in the okay, book. Okay, okay. Um, and, and also in the book, like, you know, he is they, a lot of time is spent in like the frequent flyer lounge in the book. Oh, like, hell yeah. Hell so yeah. It, it's just like one of those things where again, it's like this is clearly like Jerry Jenkins's own personal, like unique, like autism being like, <laughs> I love statuses on flights. Wouldn't it be so cool if my protagonist was the guy who has the best status at the best airline? <laughs> because on some level, he wants to be both Buck and Rayford. Yeah. Um, yeah. He wants to have sort of the suave and the panache of Buck and the status and the authority and, of and Rayford. And just yeah. the fucking, like, hard-boiled masculinity yeah. of Rayford. Rayford Steele. Yeah. <laughs> he is, by the way, having sort of a secret dalliance with Hattie. Ooh. Oh, that's why he's, not oh, only is he a piece of the... shit husband and dad, he's also a philanderer. Yeah, yeah and he, this is his sin. This is also her sin, is that she's fucking around. Yeah, and, and Hattie's just like, uh, are you going to, you know, are you going to give me a reason to stay? Like, it's very clear yeah. that she wants him right. to leave his wife and go along yeah. with her, but he's having none of that. This is an extremely reasons, uh, pre 9 11 moment where mm-hmm. Rafer just steps out of the cockpit and hangs out in the kitchen yep. for a yep. while. Yeah, I, I had a, I had a note here kitchen. that said, who's watching the sky? There's a co-pilot. It's fine. No, no, no. But both of them at one point are not looking out the front window. Oh, really? They're both <laughs> turned towards her. It's very reminiscent to me of the stuff that we've talked about with other like straight, evangelical male writers. The way that he writes about this dalliance 
is very reminiscent of how like Fred talks about in um the every young man's battle, the joggers. Yeah. Where it's mm-hmm. like he is just so like he wants to have this this profound affair and he can't mm. stop thinking about yeah. her and she's just mm. so young and she's so hot and she's like 23 <laughs> and he's like 50 oh, and like it's pri- it's no. maybe it's not right but it feels so right and yeah. he just wants to and it's like ooh you're ooh. clearly like again the idea of, he's going through it he's going through his own sexual He's going through his own shit right, right. Which, absolutely yeah. Which, like, fine, do that as a writer, but it's weird when you're evangelical because it all comes out really strange. And Absolutely. it's like one thing when it's really obvious that it's like really, really homoerotic and it's like mm-hmm. this, is a, this is a closeted gay man who can't express his desires. Sure. It's more fucked up when it's when they're straight. They're always more more fucked in the head. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Every single time. This is just straight up pervert shit. This guy goes on and on. Like Josh sent me a little sample of it. It was just it just goes and goes and mm-hmm. goes. I'm gonna read actually yeah, just a little it. bit yeah. of this, just because it's so demented. Smart. We are in the airplane. It's dark in the cabin, and Ooh. this is the first scene in the book. Yeah. Also. This is how the book mm. starts. Oh, we start on the plane. Oh, okay. okay. The question of the darkest hour before dawn, then was whether Rayford Steele should risk a new, exciting relationship with Hattie Durham. He suppressed a smile. Was he kidding himself? Would someone with his reputation ever do anything but dream about a beautiful woman 15 years his junior? He wasn't so sure anymore. If only Irene hadn't gone off on this new kick. Would it fade, her preoccupation with the end of the world, with the love of Jesus, with the salvation of souls? Lately, she'd been reading everything she could get her hands on about the rapture of the church. Can you imagine, Rafe? She exulted. Jesus coming back to get us before we die? Yeah, boy, he said, peeking over the top of his newspaper. That would kill me. She's one of those. Huh? She's one of those, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so bitter and horny, but then they yeah. also have to keep throwing in the you need to convert, you need to convert, you need to mm-hmm. convert, you need to convert thing. Right. And... You can't like, like you can't convey that, of course, in a movie and you cannot convey that in a Christian movie where the woman playing the love interest has decided that it is immoral for her to stage kiss another man besides her husband, who right. is Kirk Cameron. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so we get this scene where, you know, they're talking about their problems and how she's quitting now and going to be a U.N. and <laughs> they lean in to kiss each other and then it cuts away. <laughs> And now the apocalypse is happening. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about everybody going to the rapture right mm. after this message from my lawyer. <laughs> Hello, this is Tony Diddy, AJ's father and an actual lawyer. Don't believe me? Here, I'll prove it. Habeas corpus. Now that I've proved I'm a lawyer, I'd like to take this opportunity to protect my son or my client, from incriminating himself any further and clear up some of what we in the legal profession refer to as past legal whoopsies. For example, my client never said that Kirk Cameron looks like a botched Chia pet. To make such a statement would be potentially slanderous in nature. He's also never said that Kirk Cameron looks like if Pinocchio turned into a real boy and then immediately drowned himself. This was taken out of context. The context was that AJ got a little too tipsy on a drink that he simply refers to as the jug and threw on season three of Growing Pains because he wanted to fist fight the Titanic kid but ended up watching the whole series because he insisted he could, quote, smell the house, close quote. 
and that the aforementioned house smelled, quote, good, close quote. Finally, I'd like to address the allegations that my client insisted Kirk Cameron was secretly housing a bundle of steaks in his stomach, that he could one day unleash upon the world in a bizarre revenge plot against one Leonardo DiCaprio. This is absolutely and unequivocally false. My client insisted Kirk Cameron was secretly housing only one snake in his stomach in a deliberate gestation process meant to give the snake a safe home until one day it could grow big enough to devour the whole world. My client went on to clarify that Kirk Cameron shares these gestation duties with his wife and his reluctance to kiss anyone outside of his marriage is not only his adherence to a profoundly fundamentalist interpretation of the Christian faith, but also to prevent the snake from, quote, escaping the confines of their tum-tums, close quote, and prematurely devouring the world. Kirk Cameron longs for that day, the day he can finally loose his snake child upon the world, upon all those who laughed at him, who mocked his faith, who questioned his sanity, how he'll laugh as the serpent's mouth blocks out the sky and as he stands next to a gag Leonardo DiCaprio, tied to a chair, his eyes forced open by duct tape and malice, he'll lean in slowly, blocking Leo's terrified gaze as his serpent baby makes horrific love to the world. He'll wet his lips, smile, and whisper, Who's the cuck now, Leo? Who's the cuck now? Wait, wait, sorry. What's a cuck? Oh, what? That's what the hotel chair is for? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, okay, well, as your legal counsel, I would advise you against calling Kirk Cameron a cuck. But, Dad... I would, however, permit you to call him Cuck Cameron. <laughs> yes! Yes! We're done here. This has been AJ's actual father, Tony Diddy, and I'll see you in court. Not sure whether he'd follow through with anything overt, Captain Rayford Steele felt an irresistible urge to see Hattie Durham right then. He strapped himself... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he what? Did what now? No, no, no. Okay, okay. He unstrapped himself and squeezed, <laughs> and squeezed his first officer's shoulder on the way out of the cockpit. We're still on auto, Christopher, he said as the younger man roused and straightened his headphones. I'm going to make the sun-up stroll. Christopher squinted and licked his lips. Uh-huh. Doesn't look like sun up to me, Cap. I can't I can't keep hitting the he what button. <laughs> <laughs> Probably another it's hour shattered. or two. I'll see if anybody's stirring anyway. Roger, if they are, tell him Chris says hey. Rayford snorted and nodded. As he opened the cockpit door, Hattie Durham nearly bowled him over. Oh, no. no need to knock, he said. I'm coming. I'm coming. Yes! There we go. <laughs> yes! The senior flight attendant pulled him into the galleyway, but there was no passion in her touch. Her fingers felt like talons on his forearm, and her body shuddered in the darkness. Ooh. Hattie! She pressed him back against the cooking compartments, his, her face close to his. Had she not been clearly terrified, he might have enjoyed this and returned her embrace. Oh, I didn't need that. Her knees buckled as she tried to speak, and her voice came in a whiny squeal. People are missing! She managed in a whisper, <gasps> burying her head in his chest. Oh no! Where'd they go? Where'd they, where'd yeah. they go? <laughs> where'd so, they as I said gone? before, in the movie, we're just 
getting two characters leaning in for a kiss, and then it cuts away immediately to this. Honey? Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> Ma'am? Is everything okay? It's my husband. He, he's disappeared. You know what? I bet he just slipped off to the restroom while you were asleep. Would you mind checking, please? Okay, sure. And, and take this. Ma'am? I think he's gone off naked. <laughs> and then we get that music cue with a cut <laughs> of just a suit sitting in the chair next yes. to the old lady. Yes. So, so I just want to get this straight. Kurt, like, I think it's one yeah. thing for the old woman to be like, yes, of course, he's taken off all of his clothes and he's gone to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. But Kurt Cameron's right. like, oh, yes, this is 100% what's happened. I'm going to go check the bathroom for the nude man on the flight. Well, what's really funny is in the book, like, it takes him even longer to realize that, like, something has happened that isn't just a nude man having run off. <laughs> I mean, I guess the, the idea of making it an elderly woman is that like, oh, her husband is some guy who maybe has Alzheimer's or something mm -hmm. and has lost track of where he is. But of course, soon we realize that it's it's not just this man. There, In fact, yeah. all the children are gone um, and, and quite a few others are gone and as the well. The sky is gray. What, 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 what could have happened? Oh. Whose children are they? <laughs> Who are these children coming up? Well, yeah, yeah. Because, okay, so here's the thing. Um, so I have watched the other Left Behind, right? Yes. I've watched the yes. Nick yes. Cage Left Behind, which does um, almost, in it takes place almost entirely on the plane. Yes, that's what we, that's what we wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a, a tight little bottle episode. But, um, it, you know, Nick Cage plays Rayford Steele in it, and Buck is barely a presence at all, which is very interesting mm. watching this one and following Buck's journey as opposed to following, you know, Rayford. Because it's, it's Buck's movie. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Like, it really is Buck's movie. It's also movie. Buck's book. Like, yeah. Rayford exists mostly for the sake of the reader to be like, well, if you don't do, you should love the Lord a little bit more, right? So, like, there's two things that happen in tandem is, like, all the action stuff happens with Buck right. And all of the religious stuff happens with Rayford. They sort of which bifurcate. is hilarious when you make a character who's fucking Rayford Steele, yeah. <laughs> most masculine airline pilot. That you give him all this shit where he's just like reading the Bible. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's uh, they really tried to like tone down the religious stuff. Like the religious stuff is obviously still present in in the Nick Cage version, but they try and like sweep it off to the side, and they try to make it into more of like a Hollywood spectacle like a big budget hollywood spectacle so in i will say that it was actually a better artistic choice i thought in this movie the way they handled the rapture which was just it happens and it's done oh you didn't mm -hmm. like them getting yeeted upward out of their clothes okay. AJ? this is wild <laughs> so there's a scene in the mall in the nick cage version where like one of the moms is just looking around going where's my baby and then they look up and like hundreds of just children's clothes fall from the sky as if fall from like the ceiling or from like the upper 
balcony no, no, or from what? the ceiling, Brian. Who are these children? So, like clothes God is coming taking down. them. God is taking them, and then he's like, "Oh wait, no, I don't need the clothes." Yeah, well, it's more like my, the halfway <laughs> through, my brain rationalized it was that he yeeted these kids into the sky, yeah. but the minute right, they hit right. the ceiling of the mall, <laughs> like they were like ripped out of their clothes, and then the clothes just started right. raining down. It's the silliest thing you'll ever see, and I actually thought it was more interesting and effective just to have. By the way, there's so many unaccompanied minors on this one plane flight like it's just like uh-huh. nothing yeah. but kids and then they're all just gone and yeah. i think the movie achieves it's like one moment of tension well and this is the the child thing is a really important part of the eschatology yes. of all of this because this kind of stands out in christian theology right like right. aj you grew up catholic yeah. you know the phrase original sin sure do which means the moment you are born you're sinning. And I think it was St. Augustine who thought it's because you you touch a pussy when you are when you get on your way out. That, that's your first sin. Oh, uh, oh. The guy has some weird issues oh, with vaginas. Teeny. Sweet, um, sweet teeny. That man. <laughs> what a freak. What a freak show St. Augustine is. No one has ever been so traumatized by stealing a pair. <laughs> much less as the guy who did the stealing. You know who was really um, into sissy hypno was St. Augustine. More like sissy hippo. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> He's Augustine of Hello. Oh my God! That's fucking out of That's the greatest. That's the greatest thing you've ever said. That is. That is. Oh my God! Wait a second. Yeah. Augustine. <laughs> Hippo. Origin. Hmm. What is this? A leather bar. So they're all running around this plane, like <laughs> yes. just losing their minds. And uh, Rayford Steele has an idea. He's like, I'm going to co- keep all these people from screaming at me by knocking down the oxygen masks so that they have like, we'll just put them on and yeah. be like lulled into a sense of security. It actually works. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, no, it's actually, yeah, it's not. It totally works. Except for the one guy who's just like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to open up the door. <laughs> yeah. And then that actor genuinely struggles trying to get that door open it's pretty yeah, which again will not open at altitude because of the pressure would situation you like to know that character's name sure is it ray liotta it's character actor ray liotta no the care that's the actor playing him the uh the character's name big man on plane i think he was probably my second favorite character right behind very attractive baby Who, which, which baby I, it's the last credit in the credits and i don't know what baby they're talking about what baby whose baby is this whose baby are they baby are um they? so On this idea of original sin, you are sinful the moment you are born. Now, this produces, I guess, some deep discomfort among evangelicals. Of course, you have like the Protestant doctrine of like, yeah, baptism doesn't do anything. The only thing that matters is that you made the choice to follow the Lord. So then you have to introduce this idea so that babies aren't all going to hell um, and babies die, you know, a lot in, in terms of like human history. That's like most people die as babies. You have to reconcile that in some right. way. Mm-hmm. And so we come up with this idea, and this is not a universal like Protestant or even evangelical idea, because I don't think the Reformed have this either, mm. of age of accountability. Right. Okay. It's like the age of consent, except it's consenting to have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When when does that happen? When he sucks you off. That's called that's called confirmation in the Catholic Church. Well, actually, Josh, <laughs> you you watched some of the instructional video. Did you get to that part where they talk about children? Oh, I and missed fetuses? that. Fetuses missed get that. raptured, too. Right. So in the left behind world, does like the pregnant mother also get up to the ceiling of the mall and then fall <laughs> down? Well, well, in, the, in, in the book, it actually does. Uh, there is a thing where it talks about like how there was a pregnant woman 
who was about to give birth and her, her, mm-hmm. her like stomach just went like, like, like a balloon, just like, and, and, and like that the baby disappeared out of there as it was being born or something. Oh boy. I know it's hard to believe that Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye don't have a good head around how the female biology yeah, works. Yeah, no, like, it's wild. Yeah. It's baffling, really. They'd rather have that female biology around their head. That's right, Brian. <laughs> We see uh, the view down on the ground, which is yeah, also chaotic. On the ground where it's the daytime, by yep, the way. Yep. As yep. opposed to nighttime yeah. <laughs> where yes. it is on the plane. Uh-huh. Uh, we have that's, this that's, thing. That's who well, you well, are. This yes. movie also takes place in the three time zones. What we see is the opening scene of The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. Right? This is what The Leftovers is cribbing from. Yeah. It's like the, the first thing that you'd think of in, in the case of the rapture is that the vehicle will be unattended, which, by the way, is a bumper sticker you can get. In case of rapture, this vehicle will be un- unattended. I've seen that bumper sticker. Oh, uh, at- yeah, but here's the thing. But, but like... Is the fact that you would claim that you're going to be raptured enough to get you not raptured? You think that the first rule of Christianity is that you're not supposed we're not, to talk we, about We're your not salvation? supposed to brag about it, right? You're, it, That's absolutely not how this works. I guess I get. I understand the boastfulness thing. Yeah. I think that maybe no, American not, no. evangelicals have a different idea of boastfulness than Catholics. Okay, that, yeah, that's it's right. not both. That's the thing. It's not boastfulness. Yeah. It's just and, being and if right. we can oh, boast okay. in one thing. We can boast in the Lord. This is actually in the Bible. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) You get a loophole. If you watch the video that was produced in like 94 or whatever, that was like, so you've been left behind. They are quite forthright. They're like, and yeah, like by the time you watch this, we're going to be gone. Like we're going to be gone because we know how this stuff works. Like we eventually do land the plane. Buck walks through the terminal at O'Hare, Chicago O'Hare airport and finds a TV. Yes. And, uh, Carpathia, Nikolai Carpathia, the, the the tall blonde guy from before, well, he's making moves. Black or white, rich and poor, both here and abroad. The death of the president adds to the list of world leaders lost or missing. Bill Clinton! Nikolai Carpathia. <laughs> the phenomenon unfortunately appears to be worldwide. While nations deal with the chaos within their borders, the UN has taken a leadership role in stabilizing the world. At this time, we do not know how many have disappeared, but what we do know now is that peace is imperative. We must help our neighbors. Forget our differences. We must do it now. So the UN becomes the one world government, mm-hmm. right? where it's like on the way. Uh, and, because so many world leaders have died, including uh, noted Christian Bill Clinton. Yep. And this is very obviously reminiscent of what we talked about with Thief in the Night, where it's... Yeah. The, the government, the it's one the world government is thing. quickly yeah. forming under the auspices of the UN. There's actually a totally different guy who's a, who's the president in the oh, book. Oh, okay. I'm not, yeah, his name is like Fitz. His name's like <laughs> Gerald Fitzhugh or something minute, like minute, that. Hold minute, on. Gerald Fitzhugh. <laughs> Buck Williams? <laughs> Rayford Steele? <laughs> what is this? A leather bar? <laughs> I hate you like, <laughs> so much. Why do the escalators in the airport stop working? Uh, the escalator guys got raptured. <laughs> oh, you mean the guys underneath the escalators running? Yeah, the guy, the guys who turn the crank. There's a lot of country boys. That's right. That's right. Half thought out ideas as to like how infrastructure changes. Like people don't have much trouble going to the bar and getting a beer. Yeah, no, um, no, that's true. But there are other things like the escalators don't run anymore right. or like planes are really hard to get on. Like it, you, you know, have to spend $20,000 to get on a Cessna or something. Um, I do want to point out another thing, another mm. world leader who gets raptured yes. in the Left Behind books. Okay. The Pope. <gasps> oh. Because oh the my. Pope. Wait. At the time Wait. of the rapture 
is a very different kind of pope who's instituting things that seem a little too reminiscent of a one Martin Luther. Huh. And so he's very easily replaced by the Vatican Council because none of them got raptured with an evil pope who makes the one world religion to go along with the one world government, yes! just like the pope is destined to do. Yes, <laughs> I'm the bad guy again. Oh, that's so fabulous. They have a pope that does the Frank Peretti religion from this present time. That's darkness. what's up. I love that. <laughs> um, we can sort of tell already that both Buck and Rayford, unlike the false yeah. pope, are going to get saved, right? Like yeah. God has put it on their heart that they need yeah, to do something. And uh, like I said, Buck actually goes back with Ray and Ray gets into his suburban home and yep. they're so not there. there. His family's not yeah. there. His family, his, his wife and his son were notably raptured right. in the middle of the night. They're in bed in their pajamas, even though again, his daughter was out and about right when the rapture happened yep. and it is the daytime. Uh -huh. I think they were trying to shoot it day for night and then they fucked up and they're right, just like, right. yeah, I, I think you're right. right. I like, you gotta I remove like, the filter. The, the daughter's like driving around and she's like, hey mom, so I know I wasn't at the party uh, for reasons. Like, I, I don't know why, why wasn't she at the birthday party? <laughs> because she was in just... the book, she's over at Stanford. Like in the book, she's not at home. Oh, okay. Like she has to come back from California, which oh, makes some amount of sense. Oh, okay. right, right. Whereas uh, in the movie, they have to have them together because they had to have them together and they forgot yeah. to connect the plot. Oh, lines. okay. That's so, it. Great. so great. of course, Rayford got not raptured because he has the sin of cheating on his wife. Mm -hmm. And his daughter didn't get raptured because she has the sin of having a nose piercing. Yes. Right. And then we see a bunch of cars crash into each other. We yep. see a guy who's covered in blood steal her car. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that's Ronald Reagan, as we had mentioned before. At one point, there's a really great shot where Ray finds a Bible and he chucks it at a mirror and the mirror shatters <laughs> and you see his face in the shattered mirror. Love that so, shot. And, yeah. then, and then he goes and picks up the Bible he and starts with Genesis 1-1. Yes. Yes. Like, like the fucking end of the cable guy. It's like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth well it's a little too late for that yeah it's, God, it's so wild here's my question for the both of you do we think yes. that was a real bible or do you think that kirk cameron insisted that they throw a non-bible at the mirror and then pick up the real bible oh i'm sure kirk cameron was a big pain in the ass but thankfully he wasn't on set that day raymond raymond rayford <laughs> deborah, deborah i broke the mirror deborah he watches home movies which are edited together yeah. very well daughter. in london the bad guys continue to scheme Rubbing their hands together buck posts up on a couch in rayford's living room the daughter walks in she goes upstairs she sees her dad they look at a bible for a bit he passes out she goes downstairs and then she runs into Buck and she's like, I'm going to have to kill you because she thinks that he's a looter who's come to take her tape. Yes. <laughs> this is this is another difference between the movie and the yep. book is that uh, in the book, it's just a lot grosser and hornier, their relationship. Whoa. Like it's very chaste in this movie. Yeah. Whereas right. in, in the book, the moment that Buck sees Chloe, he's immediately like, I'm going to fuck. But, I mean, I, but she is older in the book, right? She's a college student. She's a college a student. student well, or okay. I'm, why don't we go oh ahead and oh, AJ oh read boy. this one okay, for great. us? Um, she had fallen silent and looked serious. I'm sorry, Chloe. I didn't mean to imply I'm not interested in your theory. It's not that, she said, but you just kind of categorized me there. Categorized you? As a college kid. 
Oh, I did, didn't I? My fault. I know better. I'm so glad that Buck Williams is going to sit his white ass down yeah. and listen. That's right, Brian. Oh, I, I, I did, didn't I? My fault. I know better. Collegians aren't kids. I don't see you as a kid, although you are oh, a no. lot younger than I am. This. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, oh yeah. no. This sounds like an AI wrote it. You're so supple. Yeah. <laughs> so, so pert, so nubile. Collegians. I haven't heard that term in a while. I am showing my age, aren't I? How old are you, Buck? 30 and a half? Going on 31? (laughs) He said with a twinkle. (laughs) A twinkle? (laughs) I say, how old are you? She shouted. How old are you, I say? As if talking to a deaf old man. Buck roared. I'd buy you another cookie, little girl. (laughs) But I don't want to spoil your appetite. You'd better not. My dad loves good food, and he's buying tonight. Save room. I will, Chloe. Oh, he horny oh, there's, there's so like so horny. There's so much more. Continue down here to I like your name. Oh, <laughs> God. Okay. I like your name. He slipped into an old man's husky voice. It's a young person's name. <laughs> How old are you, kid? 20 and a half going on 21. Oh my goodness, he said, still in character. I'm consorting with a minor. I'm in hell. I'm in hell right <laughs> As now. As they headed back toward the PanCon Club. Oh, right. Like I the said, what? they spent a lot of time in the airport right, lounge. Get the highest status, yeah. Uh, yes, Chloe yes. said, oh, my sweet if Jesus. you promise not to make a big deal of my youth, I won't make a big deal of your age. Deal. Oh, sorry, he's out of character now. Deal, he said, a smile playing at his lips. You play a lot older. No! I'll take that as a compliment, she said, smiling self-consciously, as if she wasn't sure he was serious. Ha. Oh. Ha. Mm Mm-mm. No. Mm Mm-mm. No. Yeah, I mean, here's here's the actual problem. Is Left Behind the movie actually, like, the pinnacle of adaptation? The fact that all of this was diligently cut from the film? (laughs) I feel that this adaptation actually doesn't end up doing justice to the source text. Like there's this uh, weird undercurrent of like bizarre boomer, masculine, horny energy that just doesn't translate over to the screen in this adaptation. But, but, but I guess my question is that, is that something that you wanted, Josh? Is that like, did you find yourself missing it because it wasn't there? I don't want any (laughs) of this. Um, Now, there's a weird thing here. We're talking about age again. Of course, Chloe in this is a high schooler. Oh, she is? Isn't she? I, I, I just assumed she was also she's... a college. No, she's a, she's a college uh, student, isn't she? Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess I it's, it's uh, super who... unclear in this. It's unclear. Yeah. It's unclear but, at best, yeah. But there are young characters in Left Famously, there is the Left Behind Kids stories, right? right. right? So there's this sort of like, I, I think they make the cutoff like 8 to 10 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It seems, at least from watching this movie, that God is just really arbitrary about yeah. who he takes and who he doesn't. Well, he's the arbiter. He knows the score. Mm, From square yeah. one, he'll be rapturing all 64. Well, and That's here's right. the other interesting thing, AJ. Yeah. People can still get pregnant, and they can still have more kids now. Right. right. In the same way that someone becoming a Christian after the rapture doesn't immediately just get raptured, they're stuck in the tribulation. Right. So are a bunch of people who won't fucking be old enough to get their salvation, I guess, when the time comes. Now, those subsequent babies will also be saved because they're under the I cutoff guess. age. Yeah. Right. But, um... 
they do have to live through Unless, the tribulation. But what if they get the mark? Who knows? Who yeah, knows? Yeah, good question. The interesting thing is that the uh, secretary character who becomes a United Nation, you know, she ends up working for Carpathia. We're going to see that pretty soon. She yes, also Hattie. starts. We're talking about Hattie again. The, yeah, uh, the Hattie. Hot, the hot stewardess. Uh, yeah. She starts fucking Nikolai Carpathia. That's right. That's right. She gets pregnant with Nikolai Carpathia's child. Oh. And then, like, there's a whole book where they have to rescue her from getting an abortion because he, mm-hmm. he, like, locks her up in an abortion clinic or something. But wouldn't he want, like, a successor being the Antichrist? Wouldn't he want, like, another little Antichrist running I around? I think that was the idea. Yeah. I think it was like... But then he wants to abort it? Who yeah, knows? yeah. I, I, the, the storytelling, I think, in this movie is incredible. It's super s- fragmented. Like, it starts to be yes. very difficult to follow what's happening on sort of the world stage because there it mm-hmm. is as you said i think josh earlier this is like the deep lore right this is yes. this is yeah. this is like people waiting to the end of the marvel movie and then like snooty mcnucknuts like just appears mm-hmm. and everyone's like it's snooty and they like lose their minds but like i'm like who the yeah. fuck is snooty it's flipping constantly between like things that you're supposed to understand in terms of advancement of plot right. and like these Things that are largely disconnected. Again, like yeah, the grain, the grain. <laughs> to the point of like, I think what you're saying, AJ, about like the question of it as an adaptation. Mm. One of the strengths of the book is that Buck's story is tied in with this deeper lore, and because he is a reporter, his yeah. work is all about making what's happening make sense. Sure, but it doesn't really do that here because there's not enough time to get into it, and like even yeah. talking about it. I'm starting to feel my head like swell and I hate it. It, it, it assumes the audience already knows everything. Yes. Um, yes. And and they've just kind of taken the training was off. And normally in media, I love when they throw me into the deep end. But this movie simultaneously doesn't explain ev- anything, but also exp- over explains everything. It's a it's a movie about yeah. a lot of people half doing things. Yes. And one of the things that it really over explains, it happens in the very next scene mm-hmm. where Buck heads off to a hangar to catch a private charter plane to New York City, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And he's talking with the pilot there. And there's this just this bizarre back and forth that's telling us things that we already know intuitively because we've been watching the movie so far. Yeah. Right, right. Aliens. That's what I think. I'm not talking little green men. This is sophisticated, you know. Area 51 stuff, dematerialization. Like Star Trek? Come on, my theory's no wackier than some of the stuff floating around out there. Alternate dimensions, terrorist kidnappings, <laughs> Nostradamus prophecies. Come on. Man. The guy on the radio quoted a good one from the Bible. You know the story about the two men standing in a field? One gets taken, the other guy's just left standing there. There's uh, yeah, two women standing in a kitchen. One gets taken, the other one's left doing the dishes. <laughs> Yeah, but this guy's what trying. Are missing people <laughs> He's about? doing his best. All the kids are gone. It's like the Pied Piper story, but explain the adults. So maybe something made all children and adults, selected adults, a target. What do you mean, like easier to snatch? Could be blood type, brainwaves, uh, DNA, who knows? This Odyssey fucking dialogue, man. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is a- this guy who knows who didn't get raptured, who knows this fucking Bible verse by heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this whole thing is Buck trying to get back to Dirk. Right. Yeah. Right. We got to get Dirk. We got to get his secret information gotta get to the smoking and man. Then, 
like Buck starts getting like sniped at. Yeah, he find he finds Dirk's dead body, right? Like it's, yeah. it's his house is ransacked and there's like a bullet hole through Dirk and he's bleeding out on the carpet and what Kirk Cameron decides to do is just kind of nonchalantly wander around the apartment. Yeah, yeah he checks his emails. Yeah. Dirk, we will remember from earlier, is our uh, wacky guy who had Ooh. all of these crazy he didn't ideas. Sleep at all. He didn't They're sleep. getting raptured, oh. Jerry. You remember right. Dirk? I remember. He, he didn't sleep. He never slept, folks. <laughs> but he found the answers, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he found the answers. At the, en- at the end of a sniper rifle, he found those answers. It's just so lazy. Like, it, it it cuts every single corner you could possibly cut. And I'm sure a lot of that was probably budgetary, but, like, sure. But a lot of it is the writing. Yeah. And another great example of lazy-ass fucking writing mm. is the very next scene where now we're in a church. For some mm. reason. Turn and uh, we're with the minister from before. Remember Bruce at the beginning of the it movie? Turns out Remember he's a pastor. Him? Uh, he's that, a pastor. That character that we met before but didn't really need okay. to. Okay, this scene is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I take back everything I've said about the movie. Josh, please tell everyone about the greatest scene ever put to cinema. Well, why don't we just listen to the monologue all together? Oh, here? boy. This, this, is, this is the Jerry B. Jenkins to be or not to be. Oh, boy. Fraud, I am. And everybody bought it. What a Rogan peasant slave of mine. <laughs> Truly. Except you. I knew your message. I knew your words. I stood right here. I preached it. Uh. And I was good. <laughs> but they're gone. They're gone. And. Oh, but no one can believe in it. Two different things. Mm-hmm. Living a lie. More and more people are saying that. Such a, a fucking evangelist ass thing to say. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> I am kneeling before you right now asking. Come thou found of every blessing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. God forgive me of my sins. I am asking you. Give me one more chance. Mm-hmm. To receive you in. Forgive me, God. Oh, I forgot it was this long. Lord, please, just no, use it's, me. It's, it's a, and then Rayford so puts his hand on, on Bruce's shoulder and he says, right. he is using you, or something like that. Right, yeah. Wait a second. Rayford? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Bruce? <laughs> Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> what is this? Uh, a leather bar. This scene gives me gave me such visceral flashbacks to freshman year acting. Wait, do you mean specifically? Oh God! <laughs> that was part of it. Honestly, here here's the thing about um watching a, like a freshman in college do an acting monologue, is it usually starts off pretty okay, and I uh-huh. think this one starts mm-hmm. off. Fine. I don't know why he's talking to like out loud. I don't know, like that. that because he has yeah, to. Yeah, because he has to like, for the movie. His whole family got raptured. So right. I just. I mean, I thought actually just having Rayford show up and then them having this conversation together would have been, I mm-hmm. think, probably a stronger choice. But he starts yeah. off pretty mm-hmm. mellow. But then yes. he he slams his fist <laughs> yeah. on yeah, on yeah, the yeah. cross and turns around and goes nah! like he he just immediately escalates <laughs> in that way. That I think most young actors do, where it's like, now I get to be dramatic, and he screams, and then right. he's just right back to normal, and then another right. be mm-hmm. dramatic. Like it just it it 
it feels like oh god oh. <laughs> it also doesn't help i'm coming yeah it, that's it the thing it also doesn't help that um when he says oh god he falls to his knees and the camera's behind him and it 100 percent looks like he's ripped off his own penis <laughs> like he one th- another thing this is a long scene this was this was this clip was more than a minute long right right uh I cut it down so much and I did not remove a single word from it. There are these long, long pauses between each little phrase. And I also cut the part where like he just stands there for a bit and then he sort of jumps over like a banister. He throws a tennis ball at the cross. He also cuts to the cross as though the cross is like a guy that's looking back at him. Right, right, right. Which is, this is not a Catholic cross. There's no person on it. Right. Um, And yeah, and then he throws the tennis ball at it and knocks it down. Like this was their big dramatic scene. Well, yes, yes, exactly. This is supposed to be for the viewer the moment where they feel most emotionally connected. But there's so many problems. There's the technical issues with the performance, which you mentioned, AJ. There's the writing and the editing, which you talked about, Brian. And then there's the fact that we don't know who this guy is. Truly. We saw him for literally a minute yeah. and at I the beginning of the movie. You saw him for a minute at the beginning of the movie. Right. Yeah, he gives he uh he kisses Rayford's son on the head uh and sends him on his way. Um that like that's the only thing he does in that first scene. And so now yeah. it's expecting you to have this big cathartic moment with a character you right. basically just met. And not only do you, are you expected to have a catharsis, but you're supposed to buy that this performance is so powerful it converts Rayford yes entirely to Christianity like yeah. any misgivings he had well no well, Rayford has already converted at home but now he's saying you you brought me most of the way all I needed right. to do is was make that final choice. Oh, I didn't, okay, I didn't. I didn't quite clock that he had fully converted. You didn't home. quite clock that AJ, <laughs> yes. in this movie. <laughs> But it told you what time it was. Well, the thing is, I'm just so steeped. I'm so steeped in these narratives that it's like, oh, of course, this is this is that point in that story. In the same way that Bruce, as a character, makes sense because he's that kind of uh, Christian who's not actually a Christian. He hasn't been a Christian the whole time. He somehow just got too into the book learning that he forgot that he was supposed to say one like little prayer where he says, "Lord, I ask you into my heart," and now he now he remembered that. After By the way, everyone else got wrapped. Just wanted, just wanted to point one thing out uh, from the book here. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, this is not really connected to this specific moment, but it's just something that Barnes said that made me laugh. That's something Salino said? No, not something Salino okay, said. Okay. So Chloe and Rayford go to the church and Bruce meets up with them and gives them another DVD. He's always giving them DVDs in the book. Um, He shook his head when he heard about the break-in because somebody also breaks into their house. That's another thing that happens in the book. Um, It's becoming epidemic, he said. It's as if the inner city has moved to the suburbs. Oh, We're no safer here anymore. Oh, Oh, no. Jesus Christ. Yeah, baby. But also, like, the movie depicts it as, like, there's just a constant military presence, right? It, yeah. It, it's just straight up the vehicles from A Thief in the Night. Which is also have, confusing like, because it's like, Jeep. how could you be having break-ins and martial law at the same time? Absolutely. That, that doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And, uh, and I mean, that's going to remain relevant as we go further into Adventures in Odyssey. Oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> and uh, one other thing, by the way, uh, in the book that's... Uh, 
a detail about this world that I fed up with this world. You guys missed <laughs> out on so much by not reading the book because there's just these weird little things. This one I want you to read, Brian. Okay. This oh is uh, Hattie talking about no. her cousin who works oh. at a certain facility. Okay. No. Okay. So this is Hattie talking. Yeah, Hattie's talking to Rayford here. Okay. They do family planning and counseling and referrals for terminating pregnancies. Right. <laughs> and they're set up to do abortions right there. Hattie seemed to be waiting for some signal of affirmation or acknowledgement that he was listening. <laughs> Rayford grew impatient and remained silent. Anyway, she said, I won't keep you, but my sister told me they have zero business. Whoa. Well, that would make sense, given the disappearances of unborn babies. <laughs> my sister didn't sound too happy about that. Hattie. I imagine everyone's horrified by that. Parents are grieving all over the world. But the woman my sister and her people were counseling wanted abortions. Rayford groped for a pertinent response. <laughs> oh, God. Groped. Yeah, so maybe those women are grateful they didn't have to go through the abortion itself. Maybe, but my sister and her bosses and the rest of the staff are out of work now until people start getting pregnant again. Whoa. I get it. It's a money thing. They have to work. They have expenses and families. And aside from abortion counseling and abortions, they have nothing to do. Nothing. Isn't that awful? I mean, whatever happened put my sister and a lot of people like her out of business, and nobody really knows yet whether anyone will be able to get pregnant again. Rayford had to admit that he had never found Hattie. <laughs> oh, Jesus. What the fuck? <laughs> Rayford had to admit that he had never found Hattie guilty of brilliance, but now he wished he could look into her eyes. Hattie, um, I don't know how to ask you this, but are you saying your sister is hoping women can get pregnant again so they'll need abortions and she can keep working? Well, sure. What is she going to do otherwise? Counseling jobs in other fields are pretty hard to come by, you know? At a time where most of the world has just disappeared? I think yeah. people need a lot of counselors. Anyway. No. No, he no, He nodded, Brian. feeling stupid, knowing she couldn't see him. Are they on the phone? Is that what's happening? They're on the phone, yeah. They're on the phone. No, they're both just refusing to look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of lunacy was this? He shouldn't waste his energy arguing with someone who clearly didn't have a clue. These but he stupid couldn't help fucking himself. women. Jesus. Yeah. Well, sure, she said cuntily. Um, <laughs> I guess I always thought clinics like the one where your sister works considered these unwanted pregnancies a nuisance. Shouldn't they be glad if such problems disappear and even happier? Even except for the small complication that the human race will eventually cease to exist if pregnancies never happen again. The irony was lost on her. But Rayford, that's her job. That's what the center is all about. It's sort of like owning a gas station and nobody needing gas or oil or tires anymore. Yeah, that's exactly Supply what it's like. Supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Exactly. See, they need unwanted pregnancies because that's their business. Oh, did Aaron Sorkin write this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing is like, that's that's what's so interesting to me about Aaron Sorkin is that he types, he, he taps into this 
but as a liberal on the yeah, liberal yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is. It is that exact but it's the same, same dialogue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I owning that's with like, facts and logic. Yeah, that's the thing that you miss from this movie is just these yeah. weird ass discursions that are just inserted randomly have nothing to do with the topic at hand. But there's an extra grind there. And this is probably yeah, Tim LaHaye yeah, was yeah. like, no, we need to actually have something about abortion. That's your note. Put something in the book about abortion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All the abortion clinics are out of business and everyone's real mad that they're not doing an abortion right now. I just want to I just want to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Brian, that performance of Rainford Steele <laughs> was fucking flawless because honestly, the conversation is so cyclical and it's and, and the words mm-hmm. your sister's like your sister's business just over and over and over again how tired you sounded that you had to have yeah, this conversation yeah, 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 yeah. that's how i that's how i felt listening to it it's you know, exhausting the thing is sometimes man pussy comes with a tax oh good god and you know what that tax is sin that's right and you know what the wages of that are death death the wages of sin is death <laughs> It's amazing to me that we're quoting so much St. Augustine in this in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, Uh. yeah. After this, after the discursion about abortion, which is not in the movie, by the way, I just needed to get that in there. That's fucking crazy. No, because she we just see her in the convenient position of being next to Nikolai Carpathia for the rest of this movie. Because um, Buck got her, got the stewardess a UN job. That's right. And Buck also, remember, he's got that drive from Dirk. He's got the world's tiniest CD-ROM. Yeah. Um, he goes and he has, I guess, a couple of lesbian hacker friends. We enter reality with bites the news briefly. Magazine. Yes, we enter into the yeah, plot. Yeah, of yeah. he goes bites. and talks to the cast of Sense Eight. That's and right. <laughs> he trips over a giant rainbow dildo on the way in. Yeah. Slip sliding all over the floor. And, uh, it's so wet. And they <laughs> um, discover some remarkable things stored on this. They drive. sure do. They get the tiniest country <sighs> boy. They put him inside there. He runs ragged till he has a heart attack and dies. And yep. uh, they learn some shit. No question. It's a diagram of Solomon's temple. Used to stand on the holy site in the Jewish faith. The Jews have been trying to rebuild this temple ever since the Romans destroyed it about 2,000 years ago. One of the holiest sites in the Muslim faith. The Dome of the Rock. Apparently both the Jews and the Arabs feel that this particular hunk of rock is pretty sacred. It would cause a war if the Jews try to bulldoze it. Cool. I don't uh, like how I don't like how many times they said the Jews. Do you know what I mean? The Jews and the Arabs. They just yeah. keep saying the Jews and the Arabs. Keeps, the Jews and the Arabs. Ugh, For it's... whatever reason, in the world of this movie and of this book, there are no Jewish people working anywhere in the entire magazine. Yeah. At all. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a single one. Even though, even though no none of the senior staff get raptured. Like, that's the thing, right? It's like everybody in the media is evil and you know is not a christian but but they don't lean in on the idea that like all of the jews control the media or whatever that's that's the interesting thing is too is that like these are the people that we see are genuinely good people who are just kind of pursuing the story and doing whatever they're not christians but like we don't we don't see the same We don't see the same axe to grind with CNN that we see today. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, absolutely. It's, it's just like, yeah, he's a reporter. He's a, he's the dude who's getting the report. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I mean, but that also leads you to like, well, this guy seems very charming and likable. And these two hacker uh-huh. people also seem pretty charming and likable. 
why didn't God rapture these nice people? Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't reflect well, well they on didn't their God. Even Jesus. They didn't do the thing. They didn't do the thing. No, I, and I get that. Thing. But I'm just saying as somebody who's watching the film, like again, well, we've talked a lot about like how much do evangelicals yeah. actually want to convert new people or how much do they just want to right. pander to their base. But this one feels especially if you were to show this to just like somebody who's like, hey, you want to get involved in the evangelical faith? Watch this movie and you'll see what's going on. Yeah. It makes no efforts to actually convince you of anything yeah. and in fact works against itself time and time again right and then we get to them talking about the international bankers i don't need to play yep. the clip it's like two seconds long yeah um, no and, and they, i was just they, like oh my god or you know the thing that didn't register with me in the year 2000 but certainly right. registers with me now i'm like oh the international banker mm-hmm. yep yep <laughs> Kirk, Kirk cameron uh, says we, what the heck because this is a this is a yes. universe where a man can be bleeding from the head, like stumbling blind towards a car. But no, it, we're we're in heck territory. They discover that they're trying to also control the world's food supply, mm-hmm. which he finds out when he meets another guy, and the guy's car gets exploded. Yeah. Like, so there's this thing. Nikolai Carpathia goes on the TV. He says this happens because of radiation. We're right. doing nuclear disarmament. And again, right. this is the other interesting thing. Is it's like they have Nikolai Carpathia say things that seem good and then turn out to be bad because he's the Antichrist. Right. But in the ideology of Tim LaHaye, the things that he's saying are bad. Yes. Like the thing of saying everyone deserves food is bad. Yes. yes. The thing of saying nuclear disarmament should happen is bad on its face. Yes. Yes. It only looks good if you're a fucking loser. Right, right, right. Right. And, and that's really important. It's not just that they're twisting a good thing. They're taking something that sounds good but actually has never, ever been good, like not having nukes. Which is why we've always had nukes. That's why God made them in the Garden of Eden. Right. And if the United Nations uh, didn't exist, then everything would be the way that it should be. Where, yeah. you know, we could like all... Like when Hitler did the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tim hates theology, though, and this is the weird fucking thing about these guys, is that they're so philo-Semitic, but they don't understand yeah. where anti-Semitism comes right. from. Yeah. So they, they, their whole thing is they will be like, oh, yeah, if the horrible one world government controlled by these evil evil globalists comes to fruition it'll be bad for the jewish people and it's like you don't like listen to what you're saying for a second what it boils down to is there's the good jews and the bad jews or rather the real jews and the fake jews and so they get to decide who the real and good jews are and then they're going to be okay. And the good ones, of course, are the ones who are going to end up getting saved. The, they will. The good love ones Jesus. are the Hasidic guys that they've never talked to a day in their right. life, but <gasps> they think are like... <laughs> right. But but because they they are the ones who are especially like in Israel, the ones who are like right. keeping the power of Israel in play in the country, the big base, the 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 frothing hard right freaks, like the ones who have just won the most recent election in Israel. Um, these are their friends in that both sides really hold each other at arm's length and say, yeah, we can use the other guys. It feels like a little bit of a fetishization of of like Jews. Like it's it's not like, yeah. as you said, it's absolutely. A they've fetish. never yeah. <laughs> they've never spoken to any of the people that uh, any any of the Jews that they'd like idolize so much a, a day in their life. And it's just like it, you, it, you like you said, Josh, I think before Jews have superpowers to these people. Like it's just they mm-hmm. they are they are the they are the weird prophets that wander out from behind walls and then just vanish into the night again with like speaking prophecy yeah it's that and it's also that jewish people the state of israel the city of jerusalem solomon's temple all of these things are basically accessories to the grand christian plan right so 
these things need to happen in order to bring about the rapture in order to bring about um or the, rather the, to imminentize the eschaton as the most fucking annoying people on earth <laughs> say but, but yes there's also absolutely no real interest in trying to figure out like where these people are actually coming from or what yep. they think or what they believe because that is in the eyes of these people more or less immaterial yeah like when yeah. when the entire plot of the world revolves around you and everybody else is just an accessory <laughs> to that plot. Yeah. yeah. Why would you care about what their motivations are? That's not a logical or sensible thing to do. Well, and right. and further deepening that illogic is this idea, and this this becomes more and more of a present idea as the story goes along. This, present this is all part of the plan. Exactly. Mm. This is all supposed to happen. It's right. going to be exactly seven years. The right. time and the place is something we cannot name. It comes on God's own time, and yet we are supposed to be uh, agent. It, uh, we are supposed to have agency through all of this. Yeah. There are going Some to be fucking how. there are going to be exactly one hundred forty four thousand Jews who mm -hmm. become Christians and start evangelizing for Christianity. Well, exactly one hundred forty four thousand, because there's a number in the Bible that that resembles. Like, it, right. This is it's it, what it is. It's like fan canon. They're yeah. like taking the thing and they're building their own little world inside of the Bible. But yeah. ultimately, like. Then you can write additional fan fiction about yeah. your like shitty prediction right. that bears it out and ultimately makes it more real wait, than yeah. anything else possibly wait, could. Wait, so are these guys just that guy from the rehearsal who crashed his Scion at 110 miles an hour? Yes, they are 100% that guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All of them are that guy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I actually uh, died from crashing his side. <laughs> <going 100 miles laughs> our, our friend of the show, April Joy, she posted something on Twitter, something that she saw on Facebook where someone just took 2021, 2022, 2023, added them together, but also crossed out the zero <laughs> and, and got oh, six, that six, 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 six. It's like, oh yeah, of course, of course. Of course. Oh, of how course. did I not think of this? Of course. Right. The fucking monster can logo. Sure. Yes, fine. Yes, whatever. Yes. You know? Uh, so, hey, good, good <laughs> news, everybody. <laughs> Chloe converts. She yeah, also yeah. becomes yeah, a Christian. Yeah, everyone's converting. Uh, she everyone's did it. Converting. She finds a Bible. She did it. Kirk Cameron. Or, or Buck and the 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 two uh, hippies or whatever, they figure out that the code is like all in the Bible, and so everything is about like there's going to be seven years. the The one thing that we cannot have on this earth, the most disastrous thing that will ever happen, is peace between quote the Jews and quote the Arabs. Right, right, right. Uh, they're going to build the temple again. There's there's going to be complete control over the food supply. They're not going to build the temple on top of the Dome of the Rock. They're going to build it next to the Dome of the Rock yeah. because that's apparently where the temple actually belongs. There, there were some surveyors <laughs> who came by and they're like, actually, it's here. I would like the I, I wish it was like the idea where it's like, no, the Samaritans were right the whole time. and It's supposed to be on Mount Gerizim. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. just for me. Um, and <laughs> I had a question for you both. Yes. Um, because Chloe's big conversion to Christianity comes because she finds a Bible that her mother gifted her for oh, her yeah. birthday. Oh, yeah, the, the, yeah, it's, a, it's like a Zondervan Bible study Bible, Bible or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Were either of you ever gifted a Bible for your birthday? Yes. Um, I got one for Christmas, and I got one at graduation. I've probably gotten one for my the birthday. Graduation yeah. kind of tracks for me, right? It's just like you're you're going out into the yeah. world. Here's a guide for you to well, do. Well, graduation, my church gave it to everyone who graduated. Sure, 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 so yeah. Like when it was like... The end of the school year around that, they'd have Senior Sunday, they'd have you stand up and they'd give you, because we were Southern Baptist, the Holman translation, uh, which is fine. 
Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it wasn't my birthday. It might have been like a graduation or it something. Just, like it that. just struck me as such a remember. weird thing to get for a birthday, you know? Oh, I did get one for a birthday. It was an Adventures in Odyssey Bible. Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Happy birthday! Here's a Bible. You haven't been getting out praying enough for a weekend at the rapture. So enchanting. All the Christians are gone. A weekend at the rapture with her Cameron and a swan. You're like an Oompa Loompa. You just like this just came <laughs> out of you completely uh, without any prompting or planning. Where? Unbelievable. Where? Can you play the music, Brian? That plays when they like accept the Lord into their heart. Yeah, or so we get we get the salvation monologue because Buck has figured out the temple thing, and he's like, "Oh shit! All those yeah. all that Bible stuff was true." Because uh, so he also goes, he's going to go in for a meeting at the UN yeah, with Nikolai Carpathia, with Nikolai, so he's and he's like, told Nikolai that the banksters were using him, and so right. he doesn't know what's going to happen. But now he thinks maybe Nikolai's not so great. Who knows? Right. So he goes to get saved in the bathroom first because yeah. he's full uh, of shit. Goes to hang out with Jesus in the bathroom. What is this? A leather bar? Oh, oh god damn it. <laughs> so he's god he damn it. uh does the little thing where he like puts his head against the wall and slides yeah. all the way down. Yeah. And we're looking at him while this song starts playing, and then he <laughs> he says his little prayer of salvation, which again I've made a lot of cuts, but it <laughs> oh boy. It's so good though. God. I've never prayed before. I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I just know I need you, and I believe. Just show me what to do. is like looking in the yeah. <laughs> See, this is why I have such a horrible reaction to fucking Paul's right, no, right, song. True. Right, I, right. I, I literally I watched the movie. I heard that song. I did not equate it to Paisic and Paul until we were listening to it just now. But it's the same. Oh, oh my man. god, it's the same. Yeah, it is. Ben same. It's in the same chord progressions. Oh, yeah. Wait a second. Don't ben? do this. Shut Don't the fuck do this. I'll Don't kill you. Do it. I'll kill you where you stand. Evan. What is this? <laughs> a leather bar? God. This is actual torture. <laughs> this is where we get to the one interesting scene in the movie. Yes. This is where yes. we get to a very compelling idea where Buck gets into the UN chamber. They reveal the betrayal. Everybody betray me. I fed up with mm -hmm. this world. And Nikolai Carpathia does something very odd. He turns yes. to a security officer and just starts, well, talking to him. Donald M. Alternus? Yes, sir. That's me. Of <laughs> I love that for this reading. Why, well, yes, sir. That's also very Deus Ex. Yeah. It's a great reading, yeah. honestly. Don't. Give me your sidearm. And he does. So begins an object lesson in leadership. Nicolai. Oh no. oh no! Oh no! I was so shocked when I saw Mr. Stonegal, rusty guard, take his gun and murder his dear friend, Mr. Gotwin, in cold blood. Gasp. Then to watch him turn the gun on himself 
It seemed inconceivable. I think we are all in agreement. Two lives. One cut. Taken in tragedy. <laughs> all because of greed. How terribly sad. Terribly sad. And then they all start the greater good. The greater good. <laughs> I was like, this is very like the the visit. Like it's like oh yeah. Um, they all start repeating things, and then like the people outside of the chamber don't hear the bullets right. fire off until later. So Buck, of course, has reacted, but he's staying kind of chill. Um, of course, Heim not being protected by the Christ himself, being a Jewish mm-hmm. man, uh, he is completely taken in by the hypnosis. Everyone's taken in by the Nikki hypno. And, <laughs> and so like Buck talks to him afterwards. He's like, what did you see? And he's like, well, I saw the guy, you know, shoot the other guy and turn the gun on himself. It was terribly sad and all of that stuff. So it's like, Oh, this is it. We've got the antichrist. We've got the scary. Right. We got the, we got the special powers. And this is also how the book ends. Um, yeah. It's actually, I think written better in the book where it really it. does feel pretty unnerving. He actually wastes both of them with the same bullet. Well, I mean, I, I think I would have preferred that. The thing the thing that I found very disappointing was that this is the Antichrist, right? This is like the big bad right. of the series. And he just shoots two people. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. wanted him to do something a little it, it, scarier it weirder. and weirder than that, than just wasting well, people. Because I, I think he doesn't get super supernatural until the point where he's assassinated and comes back to life. Oh, okay. I could be wrong on okay. that. Yeah, no, I was flabbergasted that the man named Nikolai... Carpathia was the Antichrist. Don't Nikolai. do it, Brian. Don't. Carpathia. Don't. Don't. What is this? Uh, God. The Book of Revelation? Oh, uh, there it is. Uh, hey. Oh. Hey. I... So, um, Which also, again, like if you're literally reading the Book of Revelation, there is no Antichrist. There's a beast that has a bunch of heads. Yeah. Right. The beast with seven backs. So, yeah. So the, the all the guards uh, run into the room and somebody turns on the fluorescence and it looks like shit. Yeah. Uh, yep. yeah it looks horrible. I mean, the, like, it was actually like an okay looking scene before that because they did some expressionistic lighting. It's definitely yeah. the best looking scene in the movie I, I don't think we've talked about this enough but this movie looks like garbage like terrible. it is, yeah, it is it, terrible so it poorly shot it looks like it was made for tv yeah it looks uh, it looks worse like it was made than, for tv 10 years earlier than it was actually made yeah it looks worse than a thief in the night honestly yeah like, yeah i mean a thief in the night knew its limits and used physical stuff right when she's right, getting right. chased by a helicopter she's getting chased by a helicopter there's right, there's right. no cgi planes or you know like the same explosion happening over and over again yeah 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 um <laughs> and it was made by people who had made movies before yes mm-hmm. but you know and they leave the room and everybody is just convinced ex- is basically mimicking exactly what carpathia told them to say about what happened about the murders yep. in there um except that kirk cameron remembers yeah he couldn't get hypnoed because the because he got because Jesus of the lord yeah. yeah 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 i'm about well, he'd also um spent a lot of his life actually watching uh uh hypno in order to like build up the resistance <laughs> against immune. it yeah, he made himself immune <laughs> at that point i'm the least sissy man on earth you That's could throw right. anything in front of me a big spiral a close-up of a urethra ejaculating. <laughs> None of it will hurt me. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah, I mean, that is... That's that what is... actually happened to Kirk Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> that is the way that this movie ends, though. It's also the way that yeah. the book ends. And, and, and it's like, 
Yeah, that's well. Well, that's it. Actually, really? this movie ends with oh, Buck yeah. going back into town. That's a good point. And walking into a church. Yeah. People open up the church, and I think the tribulation force meets inside that church or right. something. Yeah. So he walks in the church, and there's just like big music, and then it cuts out to uh, this song, which we can just keep talking over it. Simply I grabbed the whole thing. Having a wonderful rapture time. Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah they're, so they're like they're getting the Britney, the NSYNC sounds. I'll turn it down a little bit so you can hear yourself talk, but we're, it's just going to keep running. It's going to keep and, going. And uh, that's it. I mean, that's it. That's left that's behind. It. We saw a church. We did it. We've, we've got we our way through. What, what did we do? What did we I do? I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, we identified me, a lot of the types of guy you'd find at a certain kind of bar. That's true. We did do that. That is incredibly true. I I think it's very interesting that Kirk, they make such a big deal about Kirk Cameron getting to New York, and then he's just kind of mm. able to teleport wherever he wants for the rest of the movie. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the 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 fucking logistics of it all. Like this is this is a world that has gone halfway to Death Stranding. Yes. And yet. And well, yet. something that I had intended to mention at the top of the episode is that we were we're going to be doing stuff about New York City for the rest of this month. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> what's an evangelical Christian thing that is set in New York City? Yeah. And the answer is left behind the book. Yeah. But it turns out <laughs> that the movie is almost entirely in Chicago. Yeah. And the scenes that are set in the United Nations are very clearly not at the UN. Yeah, they shot most of it in Missouri. Uh, and then they shot some of it in Toronto. And I think the UN stuff is all Toronto. So welcome to Missouri uh, Month. Uh, we're going to bring all the best entertainment out of Missouri. So there's something, no, there's something about rapture narratives. Okay, I'm that, stopping the fucking oh, music. Thank I, God. <laughs> um, so there's there's oh, something God. there's something about rapture narratives that I find to be pretty disappointing across the board and it's always yeah. it's always just that i never understand what the stakes are because you start mm. off with the biggest thing and yeah. then there's just really nowhere to go from there especially in these and the timer has been things. set yeah. yeah the point of that the point of the big event mm -hmm. the point of all of this rapture shit is to fill you with as much fear as possible okay that's yeah. it okay i mean there are people talk about this idea of like rapture anxiety where it's like if you're hanging out and all of a sudden the guy who was in the other room, it's like, oh, where did they go? Wait, did they get raptured? I'd be lying if I were to say that I don't still have that thought every once in a while when I lose track of somebody who I thought was in the other room and now they've gone outside. And it's like, wait, did they get raptured? That's so insane. That's so insidious. So it's, there. it's there. And it's always going to fucking be there. It's not right. going away yeah. because it was jackhammered into my brain and I did this this is my fault I read this shit um, <laughs> yeah it's me with Odyssey I but, did this entirely by myself right. but this is it, it's on an entirely <laughs> different level when yeah. you are grappling with the kind of fear that this puts in your core yeah 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 I mean I, I know you you both have talked about sort of similar senses of fear like with uh, you know in regards to hell like when Eugene yep. yeah. uh, has the episode in Odyssey where he he actually experiences hell um, yeah and and we talked about this a little bit in Thief in the Night how you know this has inspired um, an entire generation to be traumatized yeah that the end could happen at any moment I, I think Left Behind had a slightly smaller horror angle to it where it was right. like, it gets you so caught up in the intrigue it's maybe mm -hmm. less scary yeah but still certainly as a kid that idea of like 
you've woken up and no one's around when they should be and it's like what's right. happened yeah is there a pile of clothes somewhere <laughs> yeah but it comes back to the broader reactionary project which is that you're easier to control if you yeah. are afraid yes and you have to you have to support israel otherwise jesus isn't going to come back mm-hmm. that's right Brian. you've got to serve jesus by ensuring the destruction of all jews Right. It is weird they didn't. Cool. They didn't, I mean, I guess they shot. They had all that B-roll from Jerusalem, but I don't think <laughs> I don't think they shot anything in Jerusalem in that scene where Kirk Cameron is watching the the planes explode above him. Yeah. Uh, inexplicably. I just need to read this quote. An Ontario quarry was used for the scenes of Israel. Oh, a quarry. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, there we go. Then uh, Bowmanville Zoo's Mike Hackenberger commented, quote, <laughs> Camels sell the look. As a prop, camels are great. You can move them around, you can stick them there, and you can see a camel on sand. You know it's desert. They might not fit through the eye of a needle, but without them, Mm. this movie would have been a disaster. There (laughs) should be at least one camel in every movie. That's that's this guy's angle. That's his special interest. That's his thing. He's just like, uh, well, have you thought about putting a camel in? Uh, like the thing like no you don't understand camels they're great yeah they're, they're funny uh, they evoke a time and place yeah you mean yeah, know they're you very are. tall yeah that's that guy's camel corner <laughs> where instead of going ooh yeah you do yeah. like microtonal ooh yeah <laughs> that was so good that was so <laughs> It's really got me. We hope you've enjoyed spending time with with us this week in the Holy Land, everyone. Um, you know, and you know what? You could tell that we were in the Holy Land because of this camel that's been here the whole time. That's right. That's right. I'm just pointing at the camel that's right behind me. Uh, if you want to see more beautiful things like this camel, we do have a Patreon. <laughs> Five dollars a month or ten if you really feel like giving us money. Yeah. Five dollars a month gets you access to uh the two premium episodes every month of this show, plus an episode of Fancy Movie Time, which is where AJ and Brian talk about fancy movies, as one would expect. There's a lot of camels in those. And if you feel like kicking us ten bucks, uh you'll also get access to Lads Cast, which is yeah. our once a month uh unscripted, unedited thing where we shoot the shit. Yeah. So Check that yeah. out if you want. I'll just say one little thing. So yeah. in the movie, we, we didn't talk about this too much. In the mm. movie, Left Behind, they yeah. watch the tape. They right. watch the So You've Been Left Behind yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah. Made by the same producers, based on the same property, because it was Left Behind branded. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they reshoot it for the movie. It's mm. not the actual oh. tape. They get... T.D. Jakes, of all people, oh, hell to yeah, do that video. Yeah, yeah. But that's really what all of this is. It's just publishing. It's just cross-pollination. It's just branding. At the end of the day, whatever their political project is, and no matter how sincerely they believe it, they believe much more strongly in how to sell it, mm. which is why I'm glad that we're here to sell you our podcast. Yeah. That's right. I'm the worst of all possible. <laughs> I'm Brian's. the worst of all possible AJs. <laughs> Buy my shit. I'm the worst of all possible. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a, wait a, a second. Josh, wait. What? Josh. Fuck you. AJ. AJ. Uh, Ryan. What is this? A leather bar. <laughs>